the Dave Ellswick Show, and of course, uh, two big stories going on today. The uh, speeches going on at the impeachment hearing, one, and then the other, uh, the uh, the deal with the uh, IG report, and uh, some people really having some problems with that report, because what it did is basically... CYA'd all the people at the top of the uh, FBI. Now, I understand sort of what maybe they tried to do because they don't want the American people to lose complete trust in the FBI. But let me just say this. They need to rebuild the trust in the FBI because it's already gone. I mean, do these people not pay attention to Facebook and do they not pay attention to stories that are being written by not the uh, printed media? Evidently not. And uh, not a not a good way to go. But we'll, we'll talk about that here in, in a few moments, right? Right off the bat here, let me start off with some of the, the sound from today's uh, meeting of the uh, Judiciary Committee in the House and what was being said. Barry Berkey, who is the uh, Democratic Judiciary Council, admonished uh, lawmakers about this, and uh, they got about 38 seconds of his uh, malarkey. Here we go. Cut one. It's a very simple answer. Uh, they should investigate the Biden. So this was President Trump answering a question about what did he want President Zelensky to do. So even after he got caught, he is saying, again, this vulnerable nation, dependent on U.S. support militarily and otherwise, again, he's telling them what to do. And unlike in 2016, when he only had a campaign platform, which to extend the invitation to a foreign power, now he has the levers of government in his control to not only request it and invite it, but to pressure that country to do it. Okay. That's just, he goes, this guy went on and on and on about they had all of this uh, information. It was solid information and uh, that uh, this whole thing dealing with the uh, lawmakers, future generations are going to judge you and this and that and whatever. The uh, Republican counsel had this to say, cut to. Uh, the purpose of this hearing, as we understand it, is to discuss whether President Donald J. Trump's conduct fits the definition of a high crime and misdemeanor. It does not. 
such that the committee should consider articles of impeachment to remove the president from office, and it should not. This case, in many respects, comes down to eight lines in a call transcript. Let me say clearly and unequivocally that the answer to that question is no. The record in the Democrats' impeachment inquiry does not show that President Trump abused the power of his office or obstructed Congress. To impeach a president who 63 million people voted for over eight lines in a call transcript is baloney. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. How many, how many months away from the election? We're now less than a year away from the next election. They don't want to wait to the next election. They want to sully this president as much as they can and uh, try to uh, see if they can't fix it up, the Democrats, so that people won't vote for him. And I'm going to go into that in just a few moments of how that is not working for them. And the American people are tired of hearing what they're hearing from the Democrats. Let me play for you. A piece from uh, Nadler, who's the chairman, and and what he had to say. And if I've ever heard a uh, a section, a projection by any kind of person, this is a perfect example. Listen to uh, Nadler here in cut three. Of the intelligence community. Let me be clear. Every fact alleged by the whistleblower has been substantiated by multiple witnesses again and again, each of whom has been questioned extensively by Democrats and Republicans alike. The allegations also match up with the president's own words, as released by the White House, words that he still says were perfect. I also expect to hear complaints about the term quid pro quo, as if a person needs to verbally acknowledge the name of a crime while he is committing it for it to be a crime at all. The record on this point is also clear. Multiple officials testified that the president's demand for an investigation into his rivals was a part of his personal political agenda and not related to the foreign policy objectives of the United States. Multiple officials testified that the president intended to withhold the aid until, intended to withhold the aid until Ukraine announced the investigations. And yes, multiple officials testified that they understood this arrangement to be a quid pro quo for the president's personal <coughs> political benefit. President Trump put himself before country. The president's supporters are going to argue that this whole process is unfair. The record before us is clear on this point as well. We invited the president to participate in this hearing, to question witnesses, and to present evidence that might explain the charges against him. President Trump chose not to show. He may not have much to say in his own defense, but he cannot claim that he did not have an opportunity to be heard. Finally, as we proceed today, we will hear a great deal about the speed with which the House is addressing the President's actions. To the members of the committee, to the members of the House, and to my fellow citizens, I want to be absolutely clear the integrity of our next election is at stake. Nothing could be more urgent. The president welcomed into foreign interference in our elections in 2016. He demanded it for 2020. Then he got caught. If you do not believe that he will do it again, 
Let me remind you that the President's personal lawyer spent last week back in Ukraine meeting with government officials in an apparent attempt to gin up the same so-called favors that brought us here today and forced Congress to consider the impeachment of a sitting president. This pattern of conduct represents a continuing risk to the country. The evidence shows that Donald J. Trump, the President of the United States, has put himself before his country. He has violated his most basic responsibilities to the people. He has broken his oath. I will honor mine. If you would honor yours, then I would urge you to do your duty. Let us, re let us review the record here in full view of the American people, and then let us move swiftly to defend our country. We promised that we would. I now recognize the ranking Mr. member of the Mr. Judiciary Chairman. Committee, the gentleman from Georgia, Mr. Chairman, Mr. Collins, have you his opening Man, I've got to tell you. Unbelievable. One, what Nadler just said with all of his uh, words there in the last probably minute and a half was if they don't go through with the impeachment, if they don't impeach the President of the United States, he's going to do this again in 2020. What they're saying that he did. Now, let, let's consider that the dossier, you can tie it all back to the Clintons. You can tie it all back to the Democrats. So there's projection for you big time right there. Secondly, to make the statement that every fact alleged by the whistleblower, who never testified, by the way, that they just took what his letter was uh, that was sent uh, to uh, Shift, has been substantiated by multiple witnesses. It has not. There's not been one shred of evidence of this. Not one. Not even one person who is a first, uh, you know, account witness, a, a person who heard the call who or talked to the president or whatever and can verify through fact that they heard the president offer quid pro quo or bribery or treasonous, uh, you know, uh, verbiage. Nothing. Zero. Nada. You know, not, none. Use every word you want for zero. And that's what they got. Nothing. I don't care how many times they talk about having this substantiated evidence. They've never... They've never shown it. They've never, sh their witnesses never substantiated it. Even the man that they said that they heard it all from couldn't substantiate it. This is nothing more than a partisan try at completely overturning an election that happened back in 2016. The Democrats are trying to completely do away with millions of voters who voted for this president. And I, I will uh, make a statement right now. They do this. They do it 
at their own peril. Because every Trump voter that went out in 2016 and and voted for this president is going to be so ticked off that they will show up for sure in line as early as they can to recast a vote for this president come 2020. And on top of that, a good portion of the independents who have seen what the Democrats have been doing and what they're trying to do will say they'll have nothing to do with it either, and they're going to vote for Trump. The Democrats are, I believe, setting in motion their own demise. In fact, it may be almost the demise of their party. The far left may, just may, survive. But they will be a far, far pale uh, comparison to what the Democratic Party used to be. All right, a break. We'll come back. we got more to talk about about this here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. And uh, I just saw another piece uh, from Jerry Nadler that I want to play for you. Uh, Zach is running over into another studio so that he can pull it down and we can play it for you. It's, you know, I just got to tell you, it's amazing to me all the crap that they're out there talking about. And, you know, coming out today as well as that most of these uh, witnesses that stood in front or sat in front of this Judiciary Committee and testified had all been sat down and had been prepped for their testimony. They uh, they went over questions with them that they might be asked. They went over uh, with them about what they should say if they're asked this and what they should say if they say if they ask that. If somebody's telling the truth, you don't need to prep them. I'm just telling you, you don't need to prep them. This has been a this has been a hit job from the very very beginning, and. Uh, I just think the Democrats are going to really wish that they never got in uh, involved with this. Should not. But Nadler states, you know, he's sitting right with his whole thing about all these facts that they got. In fact, listen to him right here. Do you feel comfortable that this whole thing was directed yeah, by the president himself? You yes. feel that you have a yes. rock-solid case? We have a very rock-solid case. I think the case we have, if presented to a jury, would be a guilty verdict in about three minutes flat. Um, and, you know, all this nonsense about uh, hearsay evidence, there's, there is considerable direct evidence. And it, is, it ill behooves a, a president or, or his partisans to say you don't have enough direct evidence when the reason we don't have even more direct evidence is the president has ordered everybody in the executive branch not to cooperate with Congress in the impeachment inquiry, uh, something that is unprecedented in American history. There you go. See, we'd have even more if the president had told people they had to go in and testify. Nadler, you're so full of it. I mean, you're just full of it. And then he says, "We've you know, there's plenty of, of testimony, direct evidence. What did the reporter not ask him? That was CNN, by the way. What did they not? What is that evidence? Didn't ask him that. Give us some evidence, all right? Tell us what that evidence is, because everything else that you've put up there was hearsay. 
this person said or that person said or I felt this or I thought this. It wasn't I saw this, I heard this or anything like that. And the chief justice sits up in the front of uh, the Senate and they start trying to use hearsay evidence. Hopefully he'll do like any other judge would do in a court of law and throw it out and just say hearsay. That the defense is going to say, uh, objection, Your Honor, hearsay. And then the judge is going to say, uh, disregard that. It's hearsay. They have no hard core proof. If they did, they would have produced it. They didn't because they don't have it. It's that simple. The only thing that they got is the same thing you and I, or at least you and I, should have read, and that is the memo that was released. So you could read it yourself. And as the uh, Republican counsel said today, to impeach a president over eight lines in a call transcript is baloney. But that's what they're going to do. And it is exactly what Alexander Hamilton warned us about in the Federalist Paper 65. And I'm going to talk to uh, Robert Steinbach about that today. And if if they impeach this president on hearsay, look out. It's going to be like that a lot. Don't like what this president's doing, so let's impeach him. All right, let's get a break. Got 60 seconds of news coming your way. All right, so story here talking about polling. Recent polling could be bad news for House Democrats who are trying to convince more Americans of the merits of impeaching President Trump, according to National Journal Politics editor Josh Koshar. In a recent episode of Fox News' new show, What Are the Odds?, pollster Kristen Soltis spoke with uh, Koshar about the impact that several weeks of impeachment proceedings will have on the public's opinion of President Trump. An early November poll con- uh, conducted by the Democratic polling group Global Strategy Group found that 42% of those who were undecided on the issue of impeachment feel exhausted by the proceedings, while 27% said they feel confused by the process. Only 12% of these potentially convincible voters said that they now support impeachment following weeks of public hearings featuring key witnesses and legal experts. Said Soltis Anderson, is there a risk that impeachment is something where people are already dug in? There's really very little that these hearings are going to change and that those swing voters kind of think this is the wrong topic. Said Crawshar, public opinion on impeachment is about as baked in as you can get. According to him, it was during the initial revelations of Trump's phone call with Ukrainian President Zelensky, as well as the early stages of the impeachment process that, quote, caused quite a bit of a movement in the polls. But he now considers the public's opinion of Trump to have hardened. 
quote, in the Ukrainian story you find of uh, the Game of Thrones, the end of the movie before you got the middle and the beginning of the movie. So we've been working backward instead of the normal political process, he explained. I do think there was some movement among Democrats and independents supporting impeachment supporting the president's removal initially, but now public opinion is pretty much baked in. Public opinion on impeachment is about as hardened as you'll get. Reiterating his claim that swing voters are unable to be persuaded in favor of impeachment despite the best efforts from the Democrats, he went on to say they care very little for the subject altogether and prefer to focus on this right here, this should scare the Democrats poopless, all right? Bread and butter economic issues. What's the strongest point that this president has going for him right now? And it is the economy. Lowest unemployment since when? 1969. Now, to tell you how old that is, that's when I was a sophomore in high school. That's how old that is, going back. 1969. Lowest unemployment in the history of African Americans. Lowest unemployment for Hispanics in the history that they've been taking polling on this. With those numbers, people who are undecided to swing voters, they don't care that much about it. So you know the notion that these hearings are going to change people's minds are going to get people more angry at the president? It's not going to happen. The undecided voters, the swing voters, are disengaged. They want to hear about economic issues. They don't want to hear about impeachment, and their opinion of President Trump are already pretty much baked in the cake. Last month, Washington Post reporter Rachel Bade issued similar warnings to Democrats after CNN's John King reported on polling that showed 40% of Americans believed Democrats were abusing their constitutional powers and that both independents and Democrats have started to lose interest in impeachment. She went on to say uh, to the folks at CNN, I don't think that this polling is sort of, I do think that this polling is sort of a warning sign for them. I mean, if they're not able to move public sentiment at all with those five hearings with a dozen State Department or National Security Council officials coming forward and testifying against the president, Bay told CNN, I mean, that's a problem for them. I mean, this should be a high point for them in terms of, of making the case to the voters. But it's not. It's, it hasn't. It has not happened. And let's go back to what they're interested in. It's what every election has been about. The president, uh, President Clinton, put it, it's the economy, stupid. And guess what? It's the, inco- the economy, stupid. When President Clinton was impeached, found not guilty, the American people put him back in office and gave him even more people in the House and the Senate to help him along. I expect the same to happen 
for this president. What's the what's the similarities between Clinton and and Trump? The economies were doing well. That's what is the similarities. And I'm I'm just you know, there should be a warning to Dems. I mean, when Reagan, you know, kicked Mondale's butt, what was the similarities then as they are now? The economy. Stupid. All right. President Reagan had turned a uh, slow-moving economy around into starting to be a roaring machine again, and uh, that uh, Jimmy Carter couldn't get done. Remember his where our days of malaise, you know that uh, that all was gone, and uh, Reagan turned it around. I was just reading about uh, Volcker uh, earlier today. He used to be the head of the Treasury. During uh, Carter, he was trying to get um, uh, inflation under control. So what did he do? He tightened the money supply hugely. And the way he killed it, uh, inflation, is by literally making it near impossible for anybody to get any money to be able to uh, invest. And so the American people couldn't buy homes. They couldn't buy cars. They couldn't basically buy just about anything because it was so expensive. Money was too expensive. And uh, it destroyed the economy. And that's what Reagan walked into. Of course, he got himself his own uh, person, the head of the uh, <coughs> of economics, and uh, he turned it all around. I'm just let, I'm just telling you, I'm hearing people say, oh, this is going to be a close election. I don't think so. I don't, unless the uh, economy turns around and tanks, this president is on his way to a second term. By the way, I saw a big story today. It looks like uh, Nancy Pelosi is ready to get the U- USMCA taken care of. <coughs> Excuse me. Quick break, come back, finish up this hour on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, so bottom line, the Democrats are on the verge of this impeaching of President Trump. Top House lawyers sparred with lawmakers and each other uh, in just a really heated hearing today over the impeachment case against the president as Democrats prepare formal charges Democrats insisted that Trump's push to have Ukraine investigate rival Joe Biden while withholding U.S. military aid ran counter to U.S. policy and benefited Russia as well as himself. But in one testy exchange, Republican attorney Stephen Castor dismissed the transcript of Trump's crucial call with Ukraine as eight ambiguous lines that did not amount to the president seeking a personal political favor. Democrats argued vigorously that Trump's meaning could not have been clearer in seeking political dirt on Biden, his possible opponent in the 2020 election. The chief Democratic investigator, Daniel Goldman, asked for his view, testify, quote, I don't think there's any other way to read the words on the page. Goldman is the top Democratic counsel on the Intelligence Committee. 
The uh, Judiciary Committee is reviewing the findings of the Intelligence Panel's 300-page report ahead of a vote, possibly as soon as this week, on two or more articles of impeachment on charges of abuse of power, bribery, and obstruction against the Republican president. A vote in the full, full House could come before Christmas. The top Republican on the Judiciary panel, which is uh, Congressman Doug Collins of Georgia, you heard him a lot here on this show, demanded to hear from Congressman Adam Schiff, the chairman of the Intelligence Committee, whose report provides the foundation for articles of impeachment. Schiff declined to appear. I thought that that if you declined to appear or you didn't go along 100%, somehow you're obstructing everything. That's what they say about the president, isn't it? Sending the panel's chief counsel to argue the case. The hearing sets off a pivotal week as Democrats will march toward a full House vote expected by Christmas. In drafting the articles of impeachment, Speaker Nancy Pelosi is facing a legal and political challenge of balancing the views of her majority while hitting the Constitution's bar of, quote, treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. Judiciary Committee Chairman Jerry Nadler was blunt as he opened the hearing saying President Trump put himself before this country. Collins said Democrats are racing to jam impeachment through on a clock and a calendar ahead of the 2020 presidential election. They can't get over the fact that Donald Trump is the president of the United States and they don't have a candidate that can beat him. Nadler said the case against Trump is clear after multiple officials testified that the president's demand for an investigation into his rivals was part of his personal political agenda and not related to the foreign policy objectives of the United States. Quote, the integrity of our next election is at stake. That's what Nadler said. The Republicans tried numerous things to halt or slow the proceedings, objecting several times that the committee's Democratic Council was impugning Trump as he spelled out potential charges. Nadler responded that negative comments about Trump might well be expected in listing reasons to impeach him. The Republicans demanded roll call votes several times, including on taking breaks and taking down the negative comments all defeated on party line votes. The hearing was briefly inter- uh, inter- interrupted by a protester, protester shouting out, we voted for Donald Trump and decrying Democrats as the ones committing treason. The uh, protester, of course, was escorted from the House chambers. Trump spent the morning tweeting against the proceedings. He and his allies acknowledge he likely will be impeached in the Democratic-controlled House but they also expect acquittal next year in the Senate, where Republicans have the majority. So uh, we're just going to have to keep following this. I intend to follow it. You know I'm going to follow it. I'm going to uh, play a whole lot of stuff that you don't hear anywhere else. You only hear it here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Because the major news media sure don't play much from the Republicans. They're playing everything coming from uh, the Democrats. I got just a few moments here before we get to the top of the hour. Next hour, we'll start picking up. uh, We'll pick up on the uh, Pensacola shooting that occurred.
some of the things that are being said by that. Lindsey Graham said something today that I think is very, very important. But uh, on the day that Harris dropped out of the primary, she uh, Warren tweeted, Harris just became the MVP in the Veep stakes, unquote. That uh, seems obvious in retrospect because nearly everyone else in the race has been tripping over themselves to let the media know they would definitely, absolutely, no questions asked, be looking at her as a running mate. Now you can add one more to that list than Elizabeth Warren. Uh, That America is ready for an all-female ticket and a no boys allowed sign on the door of the Oval Office. Elizabeth Warren said yesterday she believes Americans are ready for a presidential ticket, that is, two women. Sure, why not, the Democratic presidential candidate told the Associated Press in an interview ahead of a town hall campaign event in Charleston. I think voters would support a lot of different combinations. In the aftermath, well, I don't know what else can you have. You've had men and women. You've had two men. You've had a woman. And now she's saying two women. There's, I, are there any more combinations there? I guess for the left there could be hundreds because you could be a man thinking that you're a woman. You could be a woman thinking you're a man. That whole thing, they could get into that. In the aftermath of Hillary Clinton's 2016 uh, defeat, some Democrats have expressed hesitations about nominating another woman to take on Trump in 2020. But Warren argued that women notched historic wins during the 2018 midterms, suggesting voters are worried less about gender than the message candidates are offering. So this wasn't uh, quite as much as an invitation to Harris as it was a statement that she's, quote, willing to consider Harris as her running mate, but she's willing to consider all sorts of combinations in the interest of getting it right. Biden, by the way, mentioned yesterday that he would accept Elizabeth Warren as his VP running mate. A little bit of shenanigans on the campaign trail going on right there is what's happening and, and I can tell you, Elizabeth Warren, I haven't heard her say anything, but I would expect her to say, well, I'm glad that he'd have me as my VP. I, I don't know if she would say I wouldn't have him as my VP and I'm going to be president. I'm surprised she hasn't come out and said something like that. When we come back, I've got a, a piece of audio I, I need you to hear first from uh, Senator Graham talking about military training with Saudi Arabian uh, uh, nationals here in the United States, which, by the way, has been going on for decades. When I was in uh, basic training at Lackland, uh, we had plenty of Saudi Arabians and uh, uh, Iraqis at that time because we were behind the Iraqi government at that time. And then uh, Booker has an ex- explanation about why Harris dropped out of the race. It made me laugh when I heard it. Now, I'll, I'll play it for you in the, uh, the next hour. And how about a mother who was shamed 
because she called Santa Father Christmas. Now, she lives in England, and Santa is known as Father Christmas in England. And she was shamed because it's not gender neutral. Unbelievable. We got more to talk about. Plus, Robert Steinbach is going to join us sometime in the next hour. Chris Corbett should be joining us within the next hour. We got a lot to talk about. I do want to talk about that Federalist Number 65, written by Alexander Hamilton, as well dealing with impeachment. Then I think that you should hear. Uh, because what is happening right now is what he warned would happen. He believed it with all his heart, and he wrote uh, a paper about it, and it had a lot of things to say about exactly what's going on right now. All right, let's take a break. Uh, we got uh, the news coming up, top of the hour. Got two minutes of news coming your way. They've downgraded the uh, weather overnight and into tomorrow some. Uh, yesterday... Got a weather warning on my uh, phone. Said we were going to have sleet, going to have a little snow, but the roads were going to be warm enough that it wasn't going to stick. Maybe on the grass or whatever. Now they're not even talking about snow or or sleet, it sounds like to me. They're saying that we're going to be over freezing mark all night long and into tomorrow. All right, a lot more to talk about. I do want to talk about the Linda Collins case up in Pocahontas around that area. A lot of weird stuff around that. Maybe Robert and Corbett can talk to us about that and why the prosecutors getting out of it, why judges are, you know, saying they don't want to be part of it. We'll talk about that too as well here on the Dave Ellswick Show. of audio that I thought you would find very interesting, and uh, I think that we're going to see some things happen uh, by what these folks are saying. For instance, you know about the Pensacola shooting. This guy, the Saudi Arabian, who was uh, being taught how to fly and whatnot at the uh, Pensacola Air Base and turned um, on U.S. servicemen, killed three of them, and then was shot dead uh, on the base. Uh, 
Uh, Saudi Arabia has apologized, called directly to the president. Uh, They also uh, said that this guy had done unbelievable harm to a a program that's been going on uh, for decades. Like I said, when I was in uh, uh, basic, uh, there was all kinds of uh, Middle Easterners uh, on being being taught uh, at, at Lackland Air Force Base. Well, Lindsey Graham, I think he, like a lot of us, say, you know what? I think that we need to take another look at this, especially the vetting process. These people are going to have to be really, really vetted hard. And uh, the president even said that we were going to have to to look closely at this whole thing before we open our bases up and our U.S. military personnel up to do that. I saw a Facebook uh, post by a friend of mine who is a West Point graduate and uh, said that he remembers uh, the military at least twice warning military personnel on American bases, whether in this country or abroad, to understand that they were targets. I mean, let's not forget, you know, we had we had one of these acts of terrorism right here in Little Rock at the uh, recruiting uh, site in Little Rock. Uh, just a few years ago, somebody had been radicalized. And so, you know, you might vet somebody, and uh, they're cool. And then a year later, you know, they've gone home a couple of times for for leave or for, uh, you know, vacation. And they get somehow, I mean, I don't know how this happens quickly, but they get radicalized. And uh, that was what Lindsey uh, uh, Graham was calling about. And he wants to suspend the military training for right now. Here's what he had to say. Cut five. Number one, uh, we need to suspend the Saudi program until we find out what happened here. I like the idea of training foreign pilots, uh, understanding how the American system works. I like allies. Saudi Arabia is an ally, but there's something really bad here. Fundamentally, we need to slow this program down and reevaluate. As to negotiating with the Taliban, I think we got this wrong. I think what we should do is start negotiating with Pakistan. If Pakistan denied the Taliban safe haven in Pakistan, the war in Afghanistan would end in a matter of weeks. So I want to try to get Pakistan to change their behavior through a free trade agreement tied to security performances, then talk to the Taliban. I want as much leverage over the Taliban as possible to end this war. There you go. All right. So. In that war in Afghanistan. Okay, that's what he was talking about. You keep in mind that, uh, you know, Pakistan going to play a, a major role in that. Uh, they have a lot of uh, radicalized Muslims over there. But he, want, he thinks we should suspend the military training right now. I think that's all you can do. You've got to do that. You've got to figure out. Uh, why this shooting occurred, you know, why this guy slipped through our fingers and the fingers of the Saudi Arabians as well and came over here and shoot uh, and, and shot some people as well as what about the other guys that we keep hearing about, these other 10 
Saudi Arabians, and they say, well, they're, you know, they're, uh, they've, they've continued to, you know, help with the investigation. Well, I could care less about that. I want to know, I want you to find out about the background. I want, I want you to find out about this New York trip that they went on. And most of all, I want you to find out about their uh, filming the Pensacola uh, terrorist attack. Here is the defense secretary confirming that. Cut number seven. There are reports that several Saudis have been detained and that several of them had been filming the incident. First of all, is that true? And there are some top Florida officials willing to say this was a terrorist plot. Yeah. So some were detained, uh, friends of his that were also on that base, as I understand it. And I also w was told that uh, some one or two were filming it. What's unclear is, were they filming it before it began, or was it something where they picked up their phones and filmed it once they saw it unfolding? Uh, that may be a distinction with or without a difference. But again, that's why I think we need to let the investigation play out. But I mean, that would not be a normal response to film one of your colleagues who's shooting Americans. I don't know. I'm not trying to pass a judgment on it at this, this point in time. You know, today people pull out their phones and film everything and anything that happens. No, oh, please. You know, that didn't pass muster, I don't believe. If Why would you start filming your buddies, your buddy killing American troops? Why would you do that? Uh, kind of weird. If you ask me, you know, were they going to use that as some kind of tool to, you know, put it on the Internet maybe and get other people uh, that uh, they figure they could radicalize? I mean, that, 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 I mean, it's just like what you said, you know, two, two situations without a distinction, you know, that all people now that are younger, they pull out their phone and they immediately try to start shooting video and stuff. Play, play that again. Play the, that whole cut again. There are reports that several Saudis have been detained and that several of them had been filming the incident. First of all, is that true? And there are some top Florida officials willing to say this was a terrorist plot. Yeah. So some were detained, uh, friends of his that were also on that base, as I understand it. And I also w was told that uh, some one or two were filming it. What's unclear is, were they filming it before it began, or was it something where they picked up their phones and filmed it once they saw it unfolding? Uh, that may be a distinction with or without a difference. But again, that's why I think we need to let the investigation play out. But I mean, that would not be a normal response to film one of your colleagues who's shooting Americans. I don't know. I'm not trying to pass a judgment on it at this, this point in time. You know, today people pull out their phones and film everything and anything that happens. I don't buy that at the end. I just don't buy that at the end. But uh, were they filming? Did, were they filming before the shooting started? Or were they filming it as it unfolded? And he said, it's a distinction. Uh, what? Uh, something uh, in, in search of a difference. And, and bottom line, there, I don't think there's any difference whatsoever. If they were doing it before, maybe they knew it was going to happen. If they did it during, why were you doing it during? I mean, there's, there's some real big question marks here. Now, we 
have, and, and some of this I've been looking at, uh, I don't know if it's hearsay or it's uh, they, they know for a fact, uh, but uh, evidently some people said that the guy had started acting more religious after coming back from a visit to Saudi Arabia, uh, that he was showing a propensity uh, to be drawn towards Wahhabism, which is a radical uh, blend of, uh, of uh, Islam. Uh, the folks over in Saudi Arabia are, uh, you know, they, they try to keep the Wahhabis uh, happy somewhat uh, to keep them from getting people going crazy inside the country and causing problems in the country. I think they're going to have to break down. If the, if this shooting was specifically led by Wahhabis, they're going to have to figure out some way of dealing with this so that uh, that is not a problem uh, that's going to raise its ugly head time and time and time again. You know, if you have any kind of, of uh, relationship with this uh, brand of uh, Islam, I think you're going to have to keep them out of this training program, to, to be honest. You're just going to have to keep that from, uh, from going on. So anyway, we'll just keep, an eye, keep our eyes on this and, uh, and see what happens. we just got to keep our eyes open and see what happens. Right now, there's still enough questions out there that we got to wait to get them answered before we can go. Uh, it, we can say we've, we've got an answer. We don't have an answer right now. We know that this guy had, had been in the States for a while. Uh, he had traveled back and forth from home several times. Uh, then he came back this last time. He was acting more religious, and then, uh, you know, he started shooting people. And uh, on top of that, you know, it was Clinton that made it where people who had concealed carry couldn't carry on bases. The president changed that somewhat and gave base commanders uh, the authority uh, to say whether their troops could carry on base or not. Uh, personally, I think uh, your Second Amendment rights should not end at the gate of an Air Force uh, base or an Army post. And I personally think that if you've passed, you know, the ability to have concealed carry, you should be able to do so. How much sooner would this have been over if some of the people that were there in the area and uh, were concealed carry holders could have uh, brought their weapons to bear on this shooter? In fact, I just, I just feel like, you know, you're taught to shoot when you're in the military. Look, I was going to be a broadcaster. They took us out on the firing range and taught us how, how to use a, a weapon because you never know when you're going to be called on to use one. You know, the the bad guys overrun the base or whatever. You're going to be shooting them just like you do if you're on the front lines. I think that um, maybe they should make it possible for all military personnel to carry a sidearm. I think that's something to be looked at as well. If they're in that much danger from outside forces on the base or off the base, then we need to give them the ability to protect themselves under the Second Amendment. All right, 19 minutes after 3, the Dave Ellswick Show. 
right here at 1011 FM, The Answer. All right, back with you. So, you know, just a lot of different things to be looking at as far as this uh, Saudi Arabian uh, guy going uh, going crazy. And was he crazy? I mean, he shot, you know, three Americans on an American base. And I'm, I'm with... Uh, I'm with uh, Senator Graham. Right now, I think that they should, of course, suspend military training of uh, Saudi Arabian pilots until they figure this one out. In fact, I think that you probably should uh, suspend military training of anybody from the Middle East right now until we know exactly you know, how to vet these folks out and they're not being radicalized and are becoming a danger to uh, to our troops on base. I mean, going back a few years uh, after the Gulf, first Gulf War, I mean, uh, they warned troops about uh, being off base or on base and that they were a prime target. So... If the military feels that way about it, and they've said it more than one time, then it seems like to me you've got to give your military men and women the opportunity to be able to defend themselves. So we'll see how that all works out before it's uh, all over with. All right, so uh, Booker, Senator Booker, had a new... A piece of uh, his logic about why uh, Kamala Harris dropped out. I want you to listen to this. Here's cut six. You said the fact that she had to drop out shows that something about the system is not fair. Uh, Unpack that for me a little bit. She started out with a bang at 20,000 people at her first rally, raised an awful lot of money early on, performed pretty well in the early debates, and only fell back when she stumbled in the campaign. So what is it about the system that caused her campaign to fail? Well, let's compare two candidates. John Kerry polling like her at 4%. John Kerry pulled out all of his uh, other campaign places, folded it all into Iowa, just like Kamala Harris. Uh, John Kerry had problems in his campaign. I think he fired staff, uh, just like people reported there were turmoil in Kamala Harris's campaign. But John Kerry made it to Iowa because he loaned himself $5 million. Kamala Harris cannot loan herself $5 million. And so the Democratic Party, which makes a right critique uh, that this uh, we should be stopping the influence of big money in politics, uh, that Kamala Harris stopped her campaign because of the campaign finance rules and the fact that she couldn't do what we see billionaires doing in this race, which is flooding ads uh, to jack up their poll numbers uh, and get in. So there were a lot of people hurt this week. including members of my family and friends who are supporting me, who just saw this incredibly talented African-American woman who has done things that broken glass ceilings at every point of her career. And now somehow the Iowa voters can't uh, make the decision. I will remind you, John Kerry, let me me just remind you, John Kerry polling at 4% goes back, comes into Iowa and finishes number one in the Iowa and the Iowa. Okay, so a question for Booker is a simple one. So if she could have kept, whether she had a lot of money or not, if she could have got into Iowa and let the Iowa voters decide, then maybe she uh, would have done better. But she didn't wait for that. She didn't didn't cut her 
her staff down to just bare bones and and forge forward, she just gave up. I don't think it had anything to do about billionaires at all. There's people who have been able to uh, keep campaigns going and didn't have uh, a ton of money uh, during their time. They had, you know, they had people who backed them, who liked what they were trying to do, and so um, they pushed forward. They forged forward. I think Harris misused the money that she got. I mean, as it was pointed out, her first, one of her first uh, uh, big rallies, what do you say, had 20,000 people there. Of course, that fell off immediately after people started hearing what she believed in. I mean, Harris's, Harris's uh, whole campaign went off the rails when Gabbert went after her in the, uh, the debate, and she was trying to be this, uh, Harris was, well, you know, we put too many young men behind bars for drug offenses and all of that. And while she was the uh, AG in California, she was hammering people in and putting them in jail. In fact, I guess I haven't heard any more about the story. A guy stayed in jail for an additional time because she withheld evidence. Now, it would seem to me if that was the case, and I need to do a lot more studying to make sure that uh, that's exactly what happened. But if she did that, why isn't she cooling her heels in jail somewhere? If she withheld evidence, that's against the law. You can't withhold evidence. But there's people who say that she did. So I'm, I'm just saying, I think she just made a lot of errors on her campaign. I think she overplayed certain things that she herself was guilty of. So uh, just something to be thinking about. It ain't billionaires. It's uh, your thoughts and your ideology. All right, so it goes back to, you know, with all of the things that we're talking about here, you got to use a little logic on what people say. I mean, seriously. I mean, I don't know why Booker is doing what he's doing because – he, it's not like he's burning things up right now. He had to go to his people and say, hey, look, if I'm going to keep going, I'm going to need a million dollars. i got to raise a million dollars. He was able to do that. So why wasn't Harris able to do that? And that gives you the answer to all this. She didn't have the following. She didn't have the uh, the people who uh, were willing to basically, you know, they didn't they didn't sell out for her, so to speak. You know, she wasn't the person that, they thought that she was. That Gabbert thing really did her, I think, irreparable harm. She never came back. That was what, was that the second or third debate? Do you remember the third one, you think, Zach? I can't remember. Because she had the very first one she did very well in. And it seems like she came back and did all right in the second. Was it? I think it was the third one as well. Right, because like I say, I believe she was like around five or six percent, and Tulsi like was around like one percent. Mm-hmm. And then, like I said, I think for that third debate, they were close. So yeah, yeah, she lowered the boom on her. Mm-hmm. really, really did. And oh yeah, she said what a lot of people were wondering about, and 
getting it out in the open. And for the people who perhaps didn't know Harris's uh, background in California, it was a real eye-opener for him. But also, you know, um, Tulsi's uh, her comments on Hillary, I believe that Harris was the one who responded to those comments. So I, be- I believe that hurt her as well. It was like, you know, why did you respond to that? You didn't yeah. have to. Yeah, she went to the defense of Clinton, didn't yeah, she? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, that was a mistake. It's not like she was going to help you get the the nomination right. this time. I don't think Hillary has that much pull now. I think she tried I might to be make, wrong, but I don't. I just don't think she does. Yeah, I think she tried to make Tulsi look like the villain, you know, basically. Yeah. And um, the nonsense. Yeah, I, I mean, Gabbard's... Yeah, I'm. I would be surprised if she doesn't just drop out here in the near future. Uh, she's trying to keep her seat there in Hawaii. Uh, from what I can see, it's going to be a really tough race for her to hold on to it. So we'll have to watch. I, you know, I thought she might be an up and comer, uh, and she did. I mean, let's be honest here. She was. Uh, she was different than the other candidates, but it may have been that she was too different as far as, you know, the left isn't going to like her because she was lower in the boom on some of their people. Yeah, she was opening up wounds that they probably did not want open again. Yeah. And, um, probably yeah, that probably did hurt her. Hey, the uh, the vice president has something to say uh, over the weekend. I want to play that for you. Here's Mike Pence, cut number eight. I don't yet know what's going to happen in the House. I know that Speaker Pelosi has announced articles of impeachment, but I have to tell you, I served in the Congress for 12 years, and I don't think it's a foregone conclusion Interesting that the Democrats will be able to get the votes to pass articles of impeachment because I hear from people all over the country. The support for this president, the progress that we've made, rebuilding our military, reviving this economy. I mean, yesterday we announced 7 million jobs created, 180 conservatives on our federal courts. And when people look at the facts in this case, uh, they can read the transcript and see that the president did nothing wrong. I know the American people are going to let their voice be heard in the next two weeks. And when the when the voice of the American people strikes Capitol Hill, anything's possible. You know, I travel all across the country just as the president does on a regular basis. We were both just overseas with our troops. And literally everywhere I go, I hear Americans telling me that, that they couldn't be more proud of the progress this president's made. We have a stronger, more prosperous America. We, our economy is booming. This is a president who's actually, he's kept more promises than he made to the American people. And all they see the Democrats doing, not just in this Congress, but for the last three years, is, is endless investigations and, and a partisan impeachment, all in an effort to overturn the results of the 2016 election. You know, it's really ironic. But Speaker Pelosi says that they're defending democracy. What they're trying to do is overturn the results of our democratically elected president who won the election, won a landslide in the Electoral College. And I think the American people see through it. I well, think they see this is this is the Democrats are beating up on this president because they know they can't beat this president in 2020. Yeah. And I think that the vice president is uh, very right. As we were talking about earlier, if you uh, were listening, if you weren't able to join with us uh, at that time, I was talking about an uh, article from today on Fox News, 
and uh, they had a, a gentleman on uh, from jo- Josh Koshar, is his name, from the National Journal, and uh, they've been looking at the polls, and they they said when it came to impeachment, independents were and and let's face it. That's what both sides are shooting at because, you know, it's pretty pretty much set in uh, in concrete uh, how the Republicans feel and how the Democrats feel. But so what what are what are the uh, you know what are the independents saying? And uh, he makes this statement. He says, uh, reiterating his claim that swing voters are unable to be persuaded in favor of impeachment despite the best efforts of the Democrats. Krauschow said they care very little for the subject altogether. Talking about impeachment. What do they, what are they interested in? Says they prefer to focus on, and I quote, bread and butter economics issues that would be having a job making a good wage you know being able i don't know take a vacation you know getting health care through your employer or whatever the bottom line is this president has delivered on that in spades i mean huge huge and no yelling about an 18 word sentence in a memo is going to change that and if they can't move the needle on that particular subject the democrats for 2020 are dead in the water and if the republicans with all the money they've been able to raise can use uh, the media to show people that uh, these other folks that are in these purple districts that they picked up back in 2018, they're going to lose them again. Especially, they're going to have to. They're going to have to take a vote. They're going to have to take a vote. Now, do not be surprised in in districts where it's really where they think they're razor thin. They might lose if their candidate votes for impeachment. I'm going to tell you what. I've watched it happen more than a few times. The uh, the Speaker of the House, or maybe even the President of the United States of that party, tells that particular politician, look, this time you can vote against this or for this if they figure it will save their bacon from being defeated in an election. Because what do you want to do? Do you want to, uh, you know, you got to think, can, can I win the battle or am I going to lose the war? Losing the war would be for Nancy Pelosi to sit and win the battle of impeaching the president of the United States, knowing that when he gets to the Senate, they're going to find him not guilty. Losing the war would be if the electorate turned the House back over to the Republicans and the Democrats lose the gavel and they lose all the chairmanships of all of the committees, that's losing the war. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what the Democrats actually do here. If enough Democrats in these purple areas 
talked to her and and the DNC is saying we don't have the money to counter the money that's being poured into those districts by the RNC and the president himself. They just might not have the votes to get it done. I mean, that's kind of what I think the vice president was leaning towards, explaining the political realities of uh, of the situation. So don't think that the Democrats aren't like, you know, polling like every two hours and not try- and trying to get, you know, really fresh numbers because uh, they don't want to win the battle and then turn around and lose the war. Last thing they could do is that they want to do is to win the impeachment. And, and I mean, look, the left, they don't care, basically. You know, they're uh, a leftist, a really staunch leftist will go for whatever ideas they have, like the, the, the Green New Deal and all of that stuff, even if it means burning the party down. But the moderates and, uh, you know, the, uh, the swamp, they want to keep, stay in power. So there's a lot still going on there that needs to be considered. All right, we come back. Let's talk about Ted Cruz. He's being attacked because of his feelings about the Ukraine. All right, back. Dave Ellswick show and uh, coming up in the next hour should be seeing Robert Steinbach here, our uh, resident legal professor from uh, UALR, who is a conservative. And of course, his opinions are his and his alone and not necessarily those of uh, Bowen School of Law or UALR. And Chris Corbett will join us from Conway as well as we will continue uh, the uh, the Dave Ellswick show. A couple of things that I want to talk and I know that uh, Robert has some things he wants to talk about, but I want to talk about the the Linda Collins uh, investigation that's going on up in the uh, Pocahontas area. And, you know, the prosecutor just recused himself. We had a couple of judges recuse themselves. And and a lot of it is because so much, so much is intertwined, evidently, in that area of people doing business with each other and things of that nature uh, that uh, they don't feel that they can do an adequate job, I guess, uh, in the case. So I want to talk to him because it just seems weird to me. And there's a lot of, you know, talk on Facebook that, you know, the Clintons are that, you know, they're they're that uh, strong, they're that powerful. And I'm like, you know, Clintons, what – I'll be honest, I, I, I knew Linda Collins. I don't think what she was doing had much to do with the Clintons at all. So uh, anyway, we'll have to talk about all of that. Uh, and uh, he'll be on to talk with us uh, also about, uh, I want to talk about Federalist Paper Number 65, which dealt with impeachment, written by Alexander Hamilton, a founding father. All right. And what he had to say about the whole impeachment process, how the House couldn't uh, do it and do it in a way that was legitimate. The Senate couldn't. The Supreme Court couldn't. The only way that you could do this and remove a sitting president was at the ballot box. The people had the final word. We'll talk about that. Uh, coming up in the next hour as well. 
I know that uh, Robert had something uh, that he wanted to talk about, I think about the Supreme uh, Arkansas Supreme Court Chief Justice, something that he that he's done. Uh, we'll talk about that. Don't know what Chris Corbett might be bringing with him today. No telling what he might come up with it as well. And before we get done today, we will talk about should Santa Claus be gender neutral? Uh, over in England, a woman said that uh, she called Santa Claus what they call Santa Claus over in England. Here in the United States, call him Santa, right? And uh, in Britain, they call him Father Christmas. Well, she called him Father Christmas, and her social media platform blew up, saying, how dare you call him a term that's not gender neutral? What, what's a gender neutral term for, you know, Santa Claus? You have any idea, Zach? You can't call him Father Christmas. His father is male. So you can't do that. So um, got a heated debate over there. Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah, I don't get it. Sandy Claus? I mean, Santa is now seen as gender neutral. Unbelievable. Kind of interesting. And there was a poll done. I thought this was fi- kind of funny, to be honest with you. Things that uh, should should change on, on Santa Claus. For instance, a modern Santa should have new hair instead of that big white mane that Santa Claus has. An iPhone, skinny jeans... A uh, should be on a diet, should have a trainer, should be able to ride a hoverboard, and uh, have a flying car and not a sleigh. We got pretty close to the flying car thing with the kid who takes the picture of Santa while he's bent over delivering the packages and kind of... Uh, you know, blackmail Santa that he'll put it on his social media and everybody's going to see Santa's got a big, big butt or something like that. Something tells me somebody's going to make a song out of that. But anyway, uh, that whole thing. And uh, so he got his, was it a Mercedes or a BMW? Because Santa's driving that, I guess it's a BMW, that red BMW, you know, and they they started these uh, series of ads about Santa and his sleigh being the BMW. The first one was the little dog that came out of the car, ran off into the woods, and evidently did his business and came running back and jumped in the car, and they took off, right? And he had all these other BMWs in front of him that were like the the reindeer. Then the one this year has been the reindeer coming up and putting its nose close to it, and it starts glowing red. So that's dealing with Rudolph. And... uh, so anyway, oh, by the way, 15% of the people said that Santa should have a uh, have a uh, tattoo. And back in the 50s, I'm going to tell you right now, when Santa used to smoke cigarettes, uh, there were, I think it was Philip Morris, if I'm not mistaken, had the, the, uh, the picture of Santa Claus uh, taking a drag on a Philip Morris cigarette and had his sleeves rolled up and he had a mom tattoo. There on his on his uh, bicep. So anyway, that's our that has been done. Just just for you who didn't know about that. If you don't believe me, Google it. You can see it. Philip Morris 
Santa Claus ad. It's there. In fact, smoking and drinking been a big thing for Santa Claus for a lot of years in the ads, just uh, the way it worked. All right. Ted Cruz quickly. Uh, This is about two minutes long. Calling out the media for misleading questions on the Ukrainian interference by the president. Chuck, let me point out a game that the media is playing. You know, a question that, that you've asked a number of people is you've, you've said to senators sort of aghast, do you believe that Ukraine and not Russia interfered in the election? Now, that, that in, in, in a court of law would be struck as a misleading question. Of course Russia interfered in our election. Nobody looking at the evidence disputes that. Uh, but the what president the media of the United is States pretending does. is, uh, look, n- it, on the evidence, Russia clearly interfered in our in our election. But here's the game the media is playing. Because Russia interfered, the media pretends nobody else did. Ukraine blatantly interfered in our election. The sitting ambassador from Ukraine wrote an op-ed blasting Donald Do Trump why? during the election season. Do you know season. why he did that? That is what unusual. Donald, what did Donald Trump? What did Donald Trump as a candidate say? about Ukraine and Crimea during the election that might have so, inspired so you're saying the they ambassador. Had disagreements with no, Donald Trump and I, they wanted Hillary saying, Clinton to get elected. Okay, so they wrote an op-ed. I'll tell you, a Ukrainian parliamentarian. That is the difference. What you're saying is you're saying a pickpocket, which essentially is a Hill op-ed, compared to Bernie Madoff and Vladimir Putin. You're trying to make, you're trying to equal, make them both seem equal. I don't, I don't understand that. Chuck, Chuck, I understand that you want to dismiss Ukrainian interference because A, they were trying to get Hillary Clinton elected, which is what the vast majority of the media wanted anyway. And B, it's inconvenient for the narrative. You know, it's hysterical. Two years ago, there was article after article after article in the mainstream media about Ukrainian interference in the elections. But now the Democrats have no evidence of a crime, no evidence of violating the law. And so suddenly Ukrainian interference is treated as the media clutches their pearls. Oh, my goodness. You can't say that. All right. So when we come back, a CNN analyst talks about this and he blasts Ted Cruz on the Ukraine claim saying he's propagandizing for Vladimir Putin. Unbelievable. It, it just keeps getting weirder and weirder. Uh, and, and, but who's watching CNN anyway? Lowest numbers they've ever had in the history of the company in this last, uh, last time that uh, Nielsen reported on them. A break, and then we come back. We should have Robert Steinbach here and Chris Corbett as well in the studio on the Dave Ellswick Show. Just to check the weather. 
As you know, if it goes a couple of degrees to the south, gets a little colder, could get kind of crazy out there, maybe a skating rink. But maybe it's going to be warmer and you won't, won't have any problems at all. I'm one of those guys that I get up a few minutes early just to check it out, to see how it's looking. All right, I played that part uh, from uh, Senator Cruz, and I think that was Chuck Todd that he was cha- talking to. And, uh, oh, I do have to correct myself. I said BMW. What else did I say? Uh, something else. Anyway, it's a Mercedes that Santa Claus drives in that commercial, and the kid wants the red Mercedes. So the whole car for a sleigh, they're already addressing that on television. Uh, CNN analysis, Sam Vinograd, blast uh, Senator Cruz on the Ukraine claim. Uh, got kind of personal with it. Here's what he had to say, cut nine. Can you break down the security implications of people like Cruz continuing to push out this debunked message? Anna, Putin hits a home run every time Republicans further this fictional narrative. We have an intelligence community, and guess what? It's not based in Moscow. Our own intel officials have warned lawmakers that Russia is engaged in a campaign to frame Ukraine for 2016 election interference, but Ted Cruz and others are relying on Russia's assessment rather than our own intelligence community. That undercuts our own experts. At the same time, propagandizing for Putin really detracts from our ability to counter Russia's information warfare. Putin used to have to pay bots and trolls to spread Russian lies. Now he can just count on Cruz. And finally, Anna, when Cruz and others further this Russian talking point, it detracts from another vital interest, which is supporting Ukraine. And this couldn't be happening at a worse time. Tomorrow, Ukrainian President Zelensky is meeting with Putin for the first time to engage in peace negotiations related to the conflict in eastern Ukraine. But he's entering those negotiations at such an advantage. Putin knows that Trump was willing to put security assistance, which, by the way, is used to deter and defend against Russia. Trump was willing to put that on hold. And now we have American lawmakers, Republicans, indicating that Ukraine interfered in our elections, another lie. So Zelensky is entering these negotiations from a position of weakness vis-a-vis Vladimir Putin. Wow. Wow. What a bunch of hokum there. Let me let me. Let, let's just do the first piece on this. What did Obama do for the Ukraine for uh, security assistance? Absolutely nothing. Zero. What has this president done? He's actually given the uh, uh, Ukrainian president, Zelensky, weapons to use against Russian tanks. And other pieces of equipment. Obama didn't give them squat. They had to drive to Pakistan, the uh, Ukrainians did, to, to, to get some stuff out of the trunk of a car. That's all there. You can look it up. And then if you listen to what Cruz said when he was talking to uh, Chuck Todd, he agreed that Russia was involved in our election. But he also said that there's a reason to be looking at the Ukraine under a former president there 
uh, in the Ukraine, not Zelensky, another president uh, that Zelensky beat, because of their ties uh, with Hillary, because they didn't like what uh, Trump had to say. So I'm just saying, talking about taking a narrative and shaking it all the way up, uh, you find it's uh, ridiculous. I mean, absolutely ridiculous. The, uh, you know, Obama never wanted to arm the Ukrainians. This president has done so. So who was really concerned about security assistance? Amazing. Absolutely uh, amazing how that is. All right, I got a text from uh, Robert. He's running behind. He's stuck in a meeting trying to get here. And Chris Corbett just hit me with a text that said he is almost here. So he's running into traffic, of course. Uh, but he's kind of like a, a salmon going with the flow on spawning. He's not going against the flow. He's going with the flow right now. So that's a good thing. He should be here uh, any moment. I mean, I guess the Democrats figure that we, the voters, are not paying any attention what uh, uh, what's going on. You know what I'm saying? As though we have no idea whatsoever what's happening uh, with, uh, you know, the, 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 the country. That may be Chris now. Anyway, he's... I just heard the doorbell. It's probably ringing the doorbell, although he should just try the back door. He knows that it's typically open. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Bad guys might just come in our back door now. Well, you're the first line of the defense, Zach. You ready? <laughs> but uh, I, let me just let me try something here real quick. Let's do this. Uh, did... I'm going to text, did Obama give Ukraine weapons to defend themselves from Russians? Let's see what it says here. Checking it out real quick. Said Ambassador Taylor urged Obama to provide the Ukraine with lethal weapons, but they did not. <gasps> what? What? Yeah. Hmm. Okay, so Gats misleads about Obama's record on Ukraine military aid. Uh we aid Ukraine to help it fight Russia. So there you got that one. Defense news. Here's what you need to know about the U.S. aid package Ukraine that Trump delayed. And it says, da, 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 da. the center latest scandal, President Trump is $391 million in military aid. The U.S. leader reportedly asked his staff to freeze for two months before dropping the hold a week ago under pressure from lawmakers and after he was told that that money, uh, some of it in cash, was going to 
go uh, out to, uh, you know, uh, not just to a bunch of bureaucrats. Uh, this is about Zelensky here. Uh, this is about in June. The Pentagon announced plans to provide $250 million Ukraine and security cooperation funds for additional training, equipment, and advisory efforts to build the capacity of Ukraine's armed forces, U.S. State Department separately planned to provide $141 million in aid. Broadly speaking, uh, Democratic lawmakers saw the president's decision to temporarily hold both pots of money as divorced from policy and politically motivated. And uh, some said that they, in the Republican side, were concerned. Uh, the uh, president was troubled by corruption. But, uh, bottom line, he was giving them weapons. Uh, anti-tank weapons for one all right jim's going to join us here on the dave ellswick show hi jim hey what's happening dave i'm actually in little rock today oh what? cool <laughs> what that's cool I, I i'm just you know curious you talk about all this stuff and all this money and the aid that he didn't give to ukraine but then turns around and gives 221 million back to pakistan and a 1.7 billion to uh, Iran. I, granted, they were frozen assets, but still, he, he, you know, he didn't have to give them back, give it back, and then turn around and during the one percenter of our our economy during his eight years, he invests in QE1, QE2, and QE3 a trillion dollars each, and invites the one percenters to invest with him, plus third world countries. But there's nobody talking about any of that. But, you know, it's the only way that this country made million trillions of dollars to pay the bills. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I really don't understand why nobody wants to talk about QE1, QE2, and QE3. Well, to be honest, to get deep in, that's kind of getting deep in the weeds. And <laughs> if you think that people aren't interested in uh, impeachment, which they're not, especially independents, uh, you gotta, you gotta believe that I'll lose them as soon as I start talking about that. Did you hear my uh, analysis of the polls that said that what independents are interested in is not impeachment, but bread and butter economic issues? And yet, um, and you tell me, who do you think they're going to vote for? Uh, all about economic issue, and and that's exactly what runs this country, and that's why everybody wants to know more about economics and. And our government doesn't, you know, one side of it doesn't care nothing about economics. They certainly don't care about the people that they're taking money from. Well, yeah, taking it right out of their their paychecks every uh, every two weeks or every week or every month, however they get paid. And then they want to, uh, you know, do policies that are going to, you know, really damage people by you know, driving up their electric bills, their water bills, and everything else. Yep. Thanks, Dave. Have All right. a great day. We'll let you run, Jim. Thank you very much. Jim's a truck driver. He's uh, he's concerned about economic issues. That's what I'm saying. You get into most, uh, you, you start talking to most people, that they'll tell you that people vote their pocketbooks. You've heard that before. I've said it before. I've said it dozens of times before. And it's not going to change in this next election. People are going to vote their pocketbooks. 
this whole impeachment thing is a charade. And, uh, I mean, I'm just going over what uh, that analyst said on CNN. She twisted everything around. It's just the opposite. When she was talking about Cruz doing propaganda, you know, propagandizing for Putin. It wasn't no propagandizing for Putin. He said Russia was meddling in our elections. But he said it was it was a good thing to look at the Ukraine as well because, look, it was through the Ukraine a lot of this stuff happened with the dossier and everything. I'm just telling you. The, the media spins their own little web. And uh, CNN are spending it for spending it spinning it for fewer and uh, and fewer people. Got to get we got to get our break in right. All right, let's do that. And then Chris Corbett should be joining us shortly. Hopefully, Robert will be able to extract himself from the meeting and join us as well here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Hey Zach, I just uh, got my tickets for. Uh, Star Wars 9. You got your tickets yet? Are you going on the Thursday night? I'm going. I can't. They're sold out. Well, see, I'm waiting for the 7 o'clock to come open at Riverdale, and then I'll get my tickets. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I got my, I'm going Saturday. Okay. 7 o'clock. There's not a seat sold yet on Saturday. That would be my backup option. Yeah. the first two tickets. Yeah. And I'll be in the same theater as I will be on on. The Thursday. Right. This Thursday when I go see Jumanji, mm-hmm. the new movie for Jumanji. I'll go see Jumanji probably Friday or Saturday night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, be good. Typically, I prepare to speak about that on Friday, and I will talk about Jumanji, but Matt won't be here that day. So uh, I'll have to get somebody to come in, see if Shane can come by again, just he and I, talk politics, talk movies, talk TV. Netflix got the most golden globe nominations uh so the whole streaming thing playing well for netflix hbo fell behind and uh so did some of the others kind of interesting netflix is not going to go down easily and no i agree and i you know because you know matt makes it sound like they're just going to get slapped by disney and be done it's going to be a war it will it will and plus like i said there's so many good series on netflix that people are attached to They'll keep going back. And you know what? The same thing they do with Netflix as far as subscribing, unsubscribing, just to watch certain shows. They'll do that with Disney Plus most likely as well. Yeah. Okay. So I've I've just completely ran after a rabbit there for a moment because I got the information about Star Wars 9. I had to share that with everybody. That's the 21st, by the way. I'm, I'm this far out, and I'm looking at the 21st. And I got my tickets for Jumanji today as well. That's for Thursday night. So anyway, I'll, I'll see everybody over at the uh, uh, Cab VIP Cinema this Thursday and uh, next next Saturday. So looking forward for both those movies. It's going to be fun movies to go see. Oh yeah, Chris Corbett is here. Hey, thanks for he having made me. Dave. It. He had to find. He had to fight his way through the traffic. <laughs> I, I did. was saying you sound you, you're kind of like a trout. Swimming up river to spawn, wasn't he? <laughs> That's right. It's starting to drizzle out there. Is it? Uh, yeah. Don't worry about it. I tell you, everybody, 
Did you did, you didn't happen to stop by one of the grocery stores? Did you? Were people buying all the milk and bread up? Oh gosh, no! Is why is it is it snow and ice coming in? Oh yeah, it's a little weird. It's, it's gray. Supposed to get it's, some some it's supposed to get it's uh, some some uh, wintry precipitation. Oh okay, maybe, maybe oh. maybe not. It's going to depend about one or two three degrees. Okay, either way, you know. Well, it was seventy two. I mean, I, was, I started sweating the, at noon today. Oh, it was hot out. Yeah, for this time of year, it's weird. That's, that's a heat wave out there. Global <laughs> warming. Oh my God! Now and then tomorrow, global cooling. That's right. <laughs> I mean, temperature's going to drop by forty degrees tonight. Did you know that? No. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. When oh, you wow. get up in the morning, okay. it's going to be about thirty eight degrees. All right. Got up this morning. It was sixty one. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Hey, so when is the the Star Wars Nine coming out? It comes the out twenty first or uh, the nineteenth, nineteenth mm-hmm. of December or January? You talking about January? December. Oh wow! Yeah, next week. I'm excited. I didn't know. I'm excited. Oh, yeah. I'm excited about the nineteenth, but not because of Star Wars Nine. I get off my my uh, my tube oh, here hooked up. that's delivering all the animals. Oh, biotics that well, I'm you taking. you got to stay on those. Yeah, they're going to keep me on them to the 19th. Then they come off. <laughs> I go in the morning, they take them off, and they pull this pick line out of my arm. Okay. I'll well, be that's a happy. Big, oh, yeah, that's going to be a big that's day a big for day. me. It will be a well, big now, day. Were you saying you wanted to go see it on Thursday night at midnight? No, it's oh, 7 okay. o'clock. I wanted to go at 7. Okay. It sold out. Well, I take that back. They had six seats, right. but they were all in the front row. Mm-hmm. Oh, don't do that. And I believe oh, that's no. probably was the 6 o'clock showing you were looking at. Was it? Okay. Yeah, most likely. Well, on that note, I mean, you got to, Disney's killing it at the box office. Yeah, they are. Disney is eight point eight point one billion dollars in year. sales in twenty nineteen. Yeah, Disney. Yeah, I don't Movie know production. How many movies they got coming out next year? Zach, do you have any idea? I'm gonna guess like fifteen. Yeah, <laughs> they got well, a bunch. Well, and combine that with their streaming service, they they just yeah. they just put. And I've been I already bought mine. I did too. Did you have you been watching the Mandalorian? <laughs> the no, Mandalorian, yeah, Isn't that great. Can we talk about it? With yeah, the, well, with we'll, the little Yoda. We'll get, we'll get yeah. into it. Yeah, Baby Yoda. <laughs> baby Yoda. Baby Yoda. It's not, I love it's, it, but it's not Baby Yoda because it's not Baby Yoda. It's after Yoda was around. Oh. Wait, yes, yeah. after the empire went yeah, fail, yeah. basically. Yes, so there's another oh. little Yoda out there. Oh, now I thought that I thought it was before before the empire. No. Okay, no. we'll talk. We'll come back. We'll oh, talk about it. Nice. We got to get to the news right now, okay. though. All right, back with you, Chris Corbett here from Conway. He's a uh, lawyer. Kind of, he's kind of like. Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> well, thanks he's, for the. He's got his hands in all sorts of things. Thank you. You do though. I do. You're right. So, it's, uh, I mean, it keeps you, me busy. You do a lot of stuff. That's right. That's the way you you keep ahead of the the tax man and well, and, he, and he the. Takes- uh, he takes a nice cut. The pauper man. That's right. <laughs> That's the way you got to keep ahead of him. So what have you been up to? I haven't had you on in a while. Uh, life is good. It is. Um, yeah, we, we suffered a little bit. I was hoping Steinbuck was going to be here with us. and um, Hopefully he'll get here. If not, yeah. I'll see if he can't make it maybe Wednesday at 5. Yeah, okay. Well, he's, uh, we had a big we had a big ruling in the Supreme Court, out, uh, Supreme Court, Arkansas Supreme Court, come out. About what? About his lawsuit uh, against the... University of Arkansas at Little Rock Law School. Okay, same what? Yeah, so uh, the gist of that ruling was you can't sue the king in his own court. I mean, that simplified. that it, it, We just lost on sovereign immunity. Okay. And, um, 
um, he was uh, the gist of the lawsuit was, hey, I, uh, I want these records for some research I'm doing, and um, you got to give them to me. It's right. We got the records. We settled that portion of the lawsuit. Right, but um, there was some retaliation in there, some claims for retaliation because he made the uh, FOIA request. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a claim in there for the um, Whistleblower Act. And um, basically, the the Supremes of Arkansas said, "No joy. We don't see it. You can't come into court with that." And they we didn't get a chance to take it to a jury. The majority, uh, a majority of the uh, of the justices voted against you. That's or? correct. No, it wasn't. It was a one unanimous. Okay, but was, that's what I'm saying. Right. It was five to two. Okay, who were the two dissenters? Um, we had um, Josephine Baker, and um, the one I liked. The opinion I liked was from Karen Baker. Um, she said it was a, a travesty to the to the Arkansas citizen and a gross injustice. So um, it was um, that gives you a little bit of Wood voted against you. Um, I think well there were three there were three that uh, were accused. So oh, we had three okay. appointees by the governor. Okay, right? and they just sided, they sided with Dan Kemp, the Supreme Court. Uh, the, of course, yeah. The, the, the chief justice, and then we had one. So, so you were you were in a tough pickle as it was. I it mean, was. you're talking four out of how many? We had well, there's seven, right? It was okay. Five to two, yeah. So the three that were the three that recused themselves, uh, they can do it for whatever reason they want to, right? And I'll have to tell you why they're accusing. They just see a conflict and they say, "I'm out. I'm not going to rule on it." So we had three justices appointed um, by the the governor to fit to fill in, but mm-hmm. they didn't say anything. Those three justices just just sided with Dan Kemp, okay. the, the chief justice. So, um, yeah, that's how All it right. came out. That's Upsetting. Kind of, uh, yeah, I can understand. Yep. So, with, since you're talking about they can recuse without even saying why they're right. recusing themselves, what about this Linda Collins uh, case that's going up in Pocahontas? Former senator, state I've, senator. I've read a little bit about that. All right, so the prosecutor has recused himself out. Okay. Two judges have now recused themselves out. Right. And I and uh I've been watching this and I'm I'm trying to wonder why they're having such a hard time keeping people in I think one of I think the defense witness dropped uh the lady who's under, you know, been charged with the murder. So why so so much somebody said they thought because politics are so Entwined in a small community, it, it possible, po- very possibly so. The, the general premise is you don't want to look biased on the stand as a judge, right? Mm-hmm. So if there's any type of um, conflict that you think that the prosecution or the defense that come up, you just avoid that and you say, "Look, I'm recusing myself from the case." Okay, so how do they? It sounds like to me that maybe you need to move this case into another jurisdiction. And have the trial there. I mean, the, who, who makes that decision? You know, so it's what presiding judge, about, isn't it? That's a great question, and that would come down to a hearing that asks for a change of venue. Okay. Right? So uh, that would come down. Uh, the the accused would say, "Hey, so many people know her in this in this community. I'm not going to get a fair trial. I, I need a change of venue." So you'd make that motion inside the criminal. Okay, trial. and everybody knows everybody else, and the judges know each other, and the That's prosecutors, right. and all the rest. I couldn't get a fair shake. Yeah, I don't know exactly. Um, it's some, I read part of the article about um, a couple of the judges recusing themselves. Yeah, and 
So and then there's and now you know, the prosecutor he just did, got out of it uh, this weekend. Well, is it, wasn't he running for judge judge or something? No, I don't or know if he, he is or not. Yeah, there's there's some uh, you know the elections are coming up, so it's a, yeah, it, it's a little so it's a can of worms. Is oh what man, you're telling me. oh yeah, yeah, and those those local judges would have known her. So yeah, they knew her well, evidently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting how that all works out. There'll be there, there's a pool of retired judges that they can tap they can come in okay yeah so so what do you have to i mean is it the defendant that has to ask for a change of venue it could be it could be either one honestly um but no, normally it's the defendant so okay. i want a fair i want to get a fair trial yeah okay i mean i i can think of one where the prosecutor might say they want to change i mean you go back to that uh, the whole thing about uh the, the civil rights uh, kids that were killed in Mississippi, right. you might want to move it out of that specific area because you'd figure the people knew the people who were being charged. Right, and then and it's too prejudicial, right? Right, they've read too much in the paper. Um, voir dire. When you get to voir, it's called voir dire. You get to ask the the jury, the potential members of the jury, you get to ask them questions. There's have no you doubt. read anything about this? Yes. Have you heard anything about this? Have you talked with people about this? Yeah. Have you, have you served on a jury? No, I never okay. have. I, I've watched the, a lot of movies. <laughs> it goes down just like that. <laughs> you get to ask them questions. Yeah. I'm watching that. I like that show. Was it Bull or whatever? Perry Mason? Or <laughs> no. Which it's, one? Uh, it's an a, older a It's about uh, the guy that used to be on NCIS, That uh, the young guy. And oh, he's got he's that. got the new show, and he, he's picks the jurors that they want and they oh, don't yes. want. Oh, yes. He's a, jury, he's a yeah. jury specialist. And you know who that is, don't you? Uh, no. Who it's based on? It's uh, Dr. What's his oh, name? Oh, Dr. Phil. Phil, yeah. That's, that's what right. he Dr. used Phil to do used to before he started doing that on, on TV. Yes. So it's kind of an interesting thing that they do about getting people on the jury you think you want on the jury and those that's who right. I want that guy or that lady out of the pool there there is some science to that i mean there is some science to that well they ever call me i'll say kill them all like gosh <laughs> <over my." laughs> what can i say if i was a defense attorney i'd be getting get him off the jury <laughs> and put my client to death <laughs> and all he did was take a car <laughs> well they used to hang horse thieves right yeah oh yeah they did think about that for a moment yeah what's the difference in a horse and a car oh, and that, yeah you're, you're making me think about my, one of my favorite movies lonesome dove no a great he used to, he great used to hang his buddy yeah i don't know if, oh man that's tough that was a great show yeah great movie is that one of your favorite westerns? Oh man! What's your all-time favorite western? Lonesome Dove. Oh no! Absolutely. No, I love, I, no way, man! I you, like you that. Got, you can put some more Clint Eastwood in there. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, how about uh, how how about uh, that Wyatt Earp movie with uh, with uh, what's his name? I'm Which trying one? to think. The guy who was in uh, the Carpenter movie. He played. He played. Uh, man, I just went and went dead. Come on, help me out here, Zach. Guy played, old western wide guy, herbs no not old oh oh I mean, new look uh i'm your huckleberry val, yeah yeah val, val kilmer, kilmer played who played tombstone Herb? right yeah tombstone oh yeah that's my favorite western. oh that's great oh, that's i like good. that i'll be your huckleberry no that my favorite my favorite <laughs> line is when he looks at johnny ringo he says why johnny ringo you look like death just walked across your grave <laughs> 
That's a great line. That's a good movie. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Chris and I got more to talk about here on the Dave Ellswick Show. 8230965. You got a question? We're going to talk about uh, uh, this whole uh, Federalist Paper 65 by Alexander Hamilton. And I uh, want to point out what Hamilton said about impeachment. I think that it bears talking about since it, it really comes to bear on what's happening right now. All right, back with you. Chris Corbett is with us. And, uh, Thanks, Dave. I want to talk about this um, Federalist paper, number 65, written by Alexander Hamilton. And you've just had a few moments to kind of look it over and read it. And let me just kind of sum it up real quickly here. Uh, Alexander Hamilton said, because the House uh, is, uh, you know, quote, the not the people's house, but are elected by a specific group of people. They cannot be neutral in the way that they look at somebody who holds a political position in the in, in the government. They just can't. If if there's somebody that is uh, on their party, uh, they're going to get. They're going to defer to them. If they're not. They're not going to defer to them. So then he says, well, what about the Senate? And he gets into the exact same argument with the Senate. Then he asks about the Supreme Court. And with the Supreme Court, I think he's the harshest on them. And that that being that the Supreme Court, because they're supposed to be the arbiters of justice, have too high of, a, of an opinion of themselves and, and, and will not be, uh, be neutral. The bottom line is Alexander Hamilton believed, number one, impeachment should never happen, shouldn't shouldn't happen, that what should happen is that the electorate, when somebody comes up for election or re-election, they make the decision on who they want in those positions, and thus that's the way it should stay. So I think... That, that's what the Republicans have been saying. Why are you waiting to do this a year outside of an election where we're going to decide this anyway by the electorate except for the fact that the Democrats feel, I believe, and I think they've said things to the, that this extent, they don't believe they can beat Donald Trump in the election and thus they're going to use impeachment to try to remove him from office. Well, it's totally it's totally political, Dave. It's exactly what it is. In an election year, it's a it's a travesty in my mind, and it sets up an awful precedence. Because well, yeah, because what they're going to do, they're going to now they're going to set it up that in the future, how many other presidents will face this? Every one of them. Every one of them. It's it's a. I it, mean, if the if the Republicans had started to do this. You don't think that they couldn't have brought this kind of thing on President Obama with Fast and Furious and everything else that was going That's on? Right. That's with right. The, with what was happening with the IRS, what was happening, uh, you know, down south in the uh, uh, in Mexico, what was happening in the cities where they were getting sanctuary cities going? Yeah, I mean you. Don't think they couldn't have gone after him. The Republicans didn't do that. Right. And and my, my the first question that popped in my head this morning was, can a president not ask a foreign country about corruption? Hey, we're going to about to give you $100 million. 
I've heard. Yeah, heard a little bit more news. than 100 million. No, it was, was about it 450 million. Was it 450? I thought it was 100 yeah, million. No, so it's it even a lot more. more. Reason. Yeah. So we heard there may be some corruption in your in your country. What's going on, Mr. President mm-hmm. of the UK? What, 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 let's look into this. Yeah, the same thing. About, and the Bidens. Had, Is that they, wrong? They'd already been looking at Burisma, right. where Hunter Biden was at. Yeah. I, I just think that, that, that we have a right. If we're writing a check to somebody, we have the right to say, hey, what's going on? And who's going to do that? A, a, con- a member of Congress? No, it's the president's going to yep. do it. And um, I, I think, what, what if there is corruption over there? Should we pull our money back? Well, we know we have that problem, and it's been a it, it's been a sore spot yeah. here in this country for a long time. That you've got all of these uh, all this money going out in foreign aid, right? And uh, you know, look at Mugabe, who just recently died thank god right i'm sorry i yeah, we no. appreciate you taking him back uh down in zimbabwe uh-huh. and all the millions of dollars that we gave him to feed his people and the only people who got a grain of rice out of that were the people who supported his party right that, well, was, even, that was the way it worked and what's the mechanism i don't know the mechanism we're not tying strings to that money right we <laughs> hand him a check yep hey where did it go we gotta trust him yeah just like they did, uh, what's his name, uh, head of the PLO for years and years and years. Oh, man. Uh, Arafat. Yeah. Think of all the money he got. And we know the the uh, you know beautiful palatial places that he lived while oh, yeah. his people were living in squander. Yeah. I mean, it's just, uh, it, it, it's driven the American taxpayer crazy for a long time. I know it has me. I think probably you as well. Me too. Well, well, I, I kind of like it, honestly. It's a source of control, right? Let's give some money to some foreign companies, foreign governments. Yeah, but you want to make sure that it's not going into a bunch of bureau hacks Absolutely. Why not? And how do you do that? You have the press go, hey, I saw something in the newspaper. You got a little corruption going on over there? What kind of corruption do you got going on? Have you looked into that? Yeah. And how are you looking into that? That's right. How serious are you about looking into that? Mm-hmm. I mean, those are all credible questions to be to be asked i agree i it's simple to me all right tim's in little rock tim how are you and uh welcome to the uh the dave ellswick show hey dave uh thanks for taking my call uh, those are important questions and they were answered uh by the department of defense and the office of management and budget uh after the they noticed that the aid was being withheld they asked our steps in the corruption invest are the are is the government of ukraine making have they met the timeline for addressing corruption and the department of defense said yes and then after the whistleblower complaint i think it was a day later you know before any of us heard about it then the aid was released but that had been addressed by the department of defense okay and so they released it uh-huh so i guess that they did their due diligence like they were supposed to all right the president still he's he's rightfully should ask and he did right and i guess they've taken that and spun it though yeah they've taken that spun it the other way oh we caught your hand in the cookie jar and you went ahead and released it. well let me let me let me give you a perfect example Mm -hmm. of somebody spinning something yesterday on cnn a a uh, lady sam vinegrad I think that's how she pronounces her last name. Went after Ted Cruz on, he was talking about the Ukraine. And she starts attacking him about, 
of, you know, saying that, you know, we've said or our intelligence community has said that there's nothing going on with the Ukraine and, and this and that. And he uh, he dismisses the, the Russian, the Russians and stuff. And, and she goes as far as to say in what I'm going to play for you, that he was propagandizing for Putin. Think about that, what she just said about a United States senator. Now, that's almost calling somebody treasonous. Whoa. Okay? Yeah. Let me play with this. This is cut number, uh, what, nine, I think, isn't it? Go. Can you break down the security implications of people like Cruz continuing to push out this debunked message? Anna, Putin hits a home run every time Republicans further this fictional narrative. We have an intelligence community, and guess what? It's not based in Moscow. Our own intel officials have warned lawmakers that Russia is engaged in a campaign to frame Ukraine for 2016 election interference, but Ted Cruz and others are relying on Russia's assessment rather than our own intelligence community. That undercuts our own experts. At the same time, propagandizing for Putin really detracts from our ability to counter Russia's information warfare. Putin used to have to pay bots and trolls to spread Russian lies. Now he can just count on Cruz. And finally, Anna, when Cruz and others further this Russian talking point, it detracts from another vital interest, which is supporting Ukraine. And this couldn't be happening at a worse time. Tomorrow, Ukrainian President Zelensky is meeting with Putin for the first time to engage in peace negotiations related to the conflict in eastern Ukraine. But he's entering those negotiations at such an advantage. Putin knows that Trump was willing to put security assistance, which, by the way, is used to deter and defend against Russia. Trump was willing to put that on hold. And now we have American lawmakers, Republicans, indicating that Ukraine interfered in our elections, another lie. So Zelensky is entering these negotiations from a position of weakness vis-a-vis Vladimir Putin. All right, bottom line, what did Obama do on a security assistance for the Ukraine? Answer, nothing. All the money that was given could not be used for military assistance. None of it. At least the president released the money to them, and they were buying you know, anti-tank weaponry with it, giving them anti-tank weaponry and all the rest, because that's what the, the Russians were using in the Ukraine was, uh, was uh, heavy armor. Uh, but let's go back. And she said that Cruz, you know, played off that it was a Ukraine thing. It wasn't a Russian thing about uh, our election. Here is Ted Cruz just yesterday talking about this. Chuck, let me point out a game that the media is playing. You know, a question that, that you've asked a number of people is you've, you've said to senators sort of aghast, do you believe that Ukraine and not Russia interfered in the election. Now, that, that in, in, in a court of law would be struck as a misleading question. Of course Russia interfered in our election. Nobody looking at the evidence disputes that. Uh, but the what president the United is States pretending does. is, uh, look, n- it, on the evidence, Russia clearly interfered in our, ev- in our election. But here's the game the media is playing. Because Russia interfered, the media pretends nobody else did. Ukraine blatantly interfered in our election. The sitting ambassador from Ukraine wrote an op-ed blasting Donald you know Trump why? during the election season. Do you know season. why he did that? That is what did unusual. Donald, what, did Donald Trump, what did Donald Trump as a candidate say about Ukraine and Crimea during the election that might have so, inspired so you're the ambassador? they had disagreements with no, Donald Trump and I, they wanted Hillary saying, Clinton to get elected. Okay, so they wrote an op-ed. I'll tell you, a Ukrainian parliamentarian. That is the difference. What you're saying a, a, is you're saying a pickpocket 
which essentially is a Hill op-ed compared to Bernie Madoff and Vladimir Putin. You're trying to make, you're trying to equal, make them both seem equal. I don't, I don't understand that. Chuck, Chuck, I understand that you want to dismiss Ukrainian interference because a, they were trying to get Hillary Clinton elected, which is what the vast majority of the media wanted anyway. And b, it's inconvenient for the narrative. You know, it's hysterical. Two years ago, there was article after article after article in the mainstream media about Ukrainian interference in the elections. Did you? hear ted cruz say of course the russians had got involved in our elections but to say just they were involved in it so nobody else could be involved is bs total we'll talk more when we come back Dave Ellswick show, of course, unless you were sleeping with your head under a rock over the weekend, you know about the Saudi Arabian who shot the military individuals in Pensacola, Florida. And uh, there's a lot of questions now. This guy evidently got radicalized somehow and, uh, and, and shot some people. And there's some questions about what the crap was going on. Now, this thing, look. We've been bringing foreign pilots to the United States for decades. Right. I was I was talking earlier in the show for you who didn't get a part of the show in the two or three o'clock hour. I was speaking about when I was in basic training back in the uh, mid seventies uh, that uh, we had seems to me Iraqis on uh, the uh, the base, and that's when Iran and Iraq were fighting it out. And we were training their their soldiers at high levels to take back and treat uh, their you know regular privates and things of that nature, and uh, that so just to tell you that was back in seventy five maybe okay six maybe, and so this has been going on a long time. However, we never worried about those people hating Americans and wanting to kill people. Now that's, right. that's changed. That that's changed. And so uh, today, Senator uh, Graham, South Carolina, he's uh, he's making some demands about the Saudi Arabia thing, and here's what he had to say. Number one, uh, we need to suspend the Saudi program until we find out what happened here. I like the idea of training foreign pilots, uh, understanding how the American system works. I like allies. Saudi Arabia is an ally, but there's something really bad here. Fundamentally, we need to slow this program down and reevaluate. As to negotiating with the Taliban, I think we got this wrong. I think what we should do is start negotiating with Pakistan. If Pakistan denied the Taliban safe haven in Pakistan, the war in Afghanistan would end in a matter of weeks. So I want to try to get Pakistan to change their behavior through a free trade agreement tied to security performances, then talk to the Taliban. I want as much leverage over the Taliban as possible to end this war. All right, number one. He said, and I don't even want to get into the whole Taliban thing. Yeah, he had about I'm, four or five issues. I'm there. talking. I'm talking here about the uh, shooting on in Pensacola, shooting on base. He wants to suspend it 
and to relook at how they're vetting these guys and stuff. And I think that just makes sense to me. The president even said, we probably have to go back and, and look at how we're doing this and see if we're doing it right. Right. Well, and, and to let your listeners know, we, we, we train foreign pilots, uh, allies, because we sell them our stuff. Well, yeah, right? and then when they go into battle with us, right. they don't run into each other and stuff. That's right. So you have to know how to work our systems, uh, F-16s, whatever we're selling to the Saudis. They yeah, I have no idea them. what they're yeah, giving missiles, the Saudis I mean, There's probably a whole list of stuff. Yeah, we want to try to keep them from shooting us down. Now, the, always the problem here is your ally today, 20 years down the line, might be your enemy. That's right. I mean, Iraq is a, is, a pro, uh, is an example of that. Iran well, is an example of that. I, I would hope we have some sort of search engine or some sort of program that when these guys come in, they get vetted, and we monitor their postings on their on their handles. You, know, you they, would think so. And I, I read some article, I don't know if it's true or not, that he was just being made fun of about his mustache. I don't know if you caught some of that. I heard that he, it, had, a, he had some kind of a nickname. Yeah, he had a nickname. It made him mad and... And maybe he just went off the went off the deep end. Yeah, and, I don't uh, know. We'll, the, we'll find out because there was some something else that happened that the defense secretary uh, confirmed. And is that cut ten? This, this nine? Seven. No seven. Okay, yeah, play cut seven for us. There are reports that several Saudis have been detained, and that uh, several of them had been filming the incident first of all is that true and there are some top florida officials willing to say this was a terrorist this is esper so some were detained uh, friends of his that were also on that base as i understand it and i also was told that uh some one or two were filming it what's unclear is were they filming it before it began or was it something where they picked up their phones and filmed it once they saw it unfolding uh that may be a distinction with or without a difference but again that's why i think we need to let the investigation play out but i mean that would not be a normal response to film one of your colleagues who's shooting Americans. I don't know. I'm not trying to pass a judgment on it at this, this point in time. You know, today people pull out their phones and film everything and anything that happens. Okay. So that's that's Esper, the uh, the, the defense secretary, saying that some of these guys, and, and this has been reported by other, eight, other people, right. that they were uh, video, they were using their phones to to take this and filming... And then he says, well, were they filming before or were they doing it when it was unfolding? It doesn't matter to me. I mean, it's like he said, it's a distinction with or without a difference. You know, if they started before, it would seem like it would tell me they knew what was coming. Uh, If they started during it, it's like, well, why would you want to put it? on in your camera unless you want to use it maybe for some kind of way of going out and getting more jihadists or something right that doesn't sound good if that if the investigation shows that yeah I mean, you you someone starts shooting you're ducking right i, mean, is that, I would the, think so you're not, you're not searching for your phone going no. hey let's get this and on then the it's questionable i mean these are this group of particular pilots that were friends traveled together they went to new york together they visited the museums there and all of that you know what who were they talking to when they were in new york were they meeting you know somebody up there that uh, they were passing on information to or was somebody passing information on to them 
I mean, there's some questions here. Yeah, there is. And they need all those answers. And then they, and that's why I go along with what Senator Graham says, that they need to suspend the program until they have those answers. Without a doubt. Suspend it. Yeah. Yeah. Then on top of that, you brought this up not more than 30 seconds after we started talking about it. Right. And you said, why won't they let our military men and women arm themselves while they're on base? Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. I mean, they, they should have had weapons that they could pull out and defend themselves. And these are military members, armed, trained. This isn't, a, this isn't a schoolyard, right? Well, especially since the commander-in-chief, and I don't know who was the first one to say this, but it's been done two or three times. They have been warned, military members have been warned that they are high-value targets by the terrorists, whether on or off. That's right. The base or post. It's outrageous. They didn't have. They didn't have guns. Where, where are the guns on the base? Just at the guard gate? Is that what they are at the guard shack? Well, they're they're kept, you know, away from everybody. Yeah. And then you, if you got a concealed carry license, you can't carry on base. Well, you, know, you can't that's do that. That's just that's outrageous to me. Well, that's taking that. You know, Second Amendment rights are gone at that point. But I would argue there's a lot of rights that you get watered down when you go in the military that's true that's true that happens uh, and you you accept that i tell you this if everybody was armed on the base i don't think there'd have been eight or ten people shot yeah you know yeah and i i don't think we would have had as many right i mean let's not forget hood and then this one and there was one uh you go out to over the weekend pearl harbor right you know you you've had uh, You've you've had quite uh, what they stopped the guys from uh, shooting up Fort Nix there right. in New Jersey. Yep, they caught them. I mean, you can go on and on. There's several other instances. Well, you, the only way to stop a guy with a gun is you got to have a gun. I mean, you're not going to run up with your with your note bag or your pencil or whatever and hit him over the head. Yeah, you and have don't a gun. forget, don't forget, we had a shooting on a uh, recruiting. Uh, office right here in that's Little Rock. Right, that's right. I mean, that was several. That was that, that during? Yeah, that's back. Uh, boy, that's right at the very beginning of. I think was that Obama's the, term right. or was it the end of Bush's term? But I mean, it, yeah. it's been a while. I mean, I hadn't been here that long when that occurred, but everybody was worried, uh, was wondering about that. Yeah, the kid had been radicalized. His father even says that. Now, no kidding. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a travesty they didn't have guns. First of all, it's a travesty that it happened, and mm-hmm. then but if they're if they know they're a target, why not carry? Why not be allowed to carry guns on the base? And then and put that up next to this awful tragedy that happened up in Fayetteville with the police officer. It's, it's, I'm glad the policemen have their guns in the police station, right? I think I might have Ed Monk come in tomorrow for a few oh. minutes just to talk about this. Oh, Ed knows his stuff. And being, Ed, and being former military, I mean, he's a West Point grad. He's yes. a tank commander. He was in the first Gulf War, uh, and he's been on my show you know, Ed, consistently over the years. Yeah, I took Ed's. I've taken a bunch of Ed's classes. Yeah, he's very and good. He's outstanding, and he'll tell you. He'll be the first one to tell you. The only way to stop a, a madman with a gun is to have another person with a gun. He's a non-madman with a gun. That's right. Yeah, I mean, the only way to stand stop the bad guy is to have a good guy. Yeah. I believe that. All right, a break. We'll come back, talk more. We'll take your phone calls. What's your thoughts on that, about military members being able to be armed on base? We can talk about it as we continue Eight two three zero nine six five. That is the number to call if you want to join us in the conversation on the Dave Ellswick Show. One zero one one FM. The answer. 
All right, so the nickname that they gave the shooter in right. Pensacola was Porn Stash. Porn Stash. One of his instructors called him, called him Porn Stash. That's, That's right. What, what they were talking And he was, a, I guess it was a meteorological class or something that, they, that he was teaching him in. And uh, the guy's name was Day, the guy who was saying all this. And th- this is the shooter you're talking about there on the, on the Pensacola base, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he was just saying, it says, uh, in because this uh, Al-Sharani wrote that Day, he filed a complaint on this. He did. He was pissed off about it. Yeah, wrote that Day was asking about 10 students around the room if they had any questions before dismissal. When he turned to uh, this guy, Day allegedly addressed him as porn stash. That's right. Laughing, he continued to ask, what? Have you not seen a porn star before? <laughs> yeah. And uh, Alasha Arani reportedly wrote in the complaint, after I did not respond, he just let go of the subject. All right, so he let, he let go of it. The nickname is a reference to the stereotype that adult male film stars have mustaches. It was spelled uh, P-O-R-N stash S-T-A-S-H yeah. as opposed to P-O-R-N-S-T-A-C-H-E. Why that makes any difference I have no, in the official complaint. Quote, I was infuriated as to why he would say that in front of the class. Day is employed by Delaware Resources Group of Oklahoma, subcontractor to the CAE USA, which offers instruction to aviation students in the civilian and military fields, according to the newspaper. Following the alleged incident, uh, Asherami reported it to CAE, USA's managers, the New York Times reported. The company offered to have Day apologize, but uh, this guy rejected that proposal and instead talked with an office in the Navy that handles international students. The newspaper added, citing the person who spoke with him after he filed a complaint. That same person said numerous government employees believed Day should be disciplined, yet he continued to teach. About a week after the alleged incident, Day was paired up again with this guy for simulated flight training. The New York Times reported when the Saudi found out, he complained to CAE USA and got the session rescheduled with another instructor. Brian Bussey, the president of Delaware Resource Group of Oklahoma, told the Times that his company is cooperating with the FBI's investigation into Friday's shooting and that it had taken care of the alleged classroom incident in April. Appropriate personnel action was taken regarding the incident in question. Corrective action was taken. The matter was closed back in April, and we have no further comment. They can't make any other further comments about it. Day himself, though, through Buzzy, declined comment on the alleged incident. And... uh, there is no indication yet that it had any connection to the shooting spree in which uh, this guy gunned down three fellow sailors before being taken out by responding police officers. The bodies of the three victims were flown to Dover Air Force Base in Delaware Sunday night. As of Monday, a motive for the attack has not been publicly revealed. Authorities are investigating it as an act of terrorism. A U.S. official on Friday told the AP the FBI was examining social media posts and investigating whether he acted alone or was connected to any broader group. The uh, site intelligence group, a group that monitors jihadist media, said that 
he had posted to Twitter echoing sentiments from former al-Qaeda leader Osama bin Laden. Oh, really? Spokesman for Twitter told Fox News in an email statement Saturday that the account was suspended, but they declined to comment further as to when the manifesto was tweeted out. The FBI told Fox News it was aware of the anti-American Twitter post, but would not comment on whether they're looking at it as part of the investigation. So he he had started training with the U.S. military back in August of 2017. Oh, wow. Uh, He was set to graduate next August, return to Saudi Arabia during breaks. However, when he came back to the U.S. in February, friends and classmates noticed, and this is one of the big things, noticed that he had turned more religious a, a person familiar with the FBI's investigation told the newspaper. And you, they're to, told that about Muslims. If they start showing any propensity to get really, really, really uh, heavy on their religion, you got to check them out very closely. Hmm. So, But evidently they had the information you were talking about. Right. Their uh, Facebooks and everything. So his they handle, were, his Twitter they were handle, watching all that stuff. Yeah, they were watching him. And they're, they're watching all of them to see if they're putting anything out that could be construed as something that would be, uh, you know, a, a terrorist threat or something like that. So kind of interesting. But I think Graham is right. I think you got to basically suspend the program until you go back from from box A to box Z and you look at everything and what you're doing, and, and is it enough? Yeah. Because we're targets. The military's target, right? Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're the number one target, mm-hmm. it would seem like to me, that they would be going after you. That would be something that they're trying to do. So with that with that said, we're just going to have to keep following the story. Right. Did you hear uh, Elizabeth Warren said that she could have Kamala Harris as her VP? Oh, no kidding? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. And Biden said yesterday that maybe he'd pick Warren as his VP. Now, that would just piss <laughs> Warren off because she figures she's going to win. Right. Yeah. Well, so anyway, it's it's getting kind of testy out they there. They need the impeachment. Well, they, they need the impeachment. No, they're, they're, they don't want it. Because <laughs> then it's going to go to trial. And Warren, well, now Biden, he don't care because he can stay out on the campaign trail. But anybody who is a sitting U.S. senator has got to be in the chamber. Oh, good point. They got to be there, so you know Warren's not going to want that. Sanders is not going to want that. Klobuchar isn't going to want that. Takes them off the road. That's interesting. I wonder what they're telling Pelosi. Yeah, I'm going to tell the TV camera. Yes, I'm all for the impeachment of uh, of uh, President uh, Trump. And then behind the scenes in uh, the Pelosi's office. Don't you do it. Don't you do it. Just telling you, don't you do it. Let me read to you. They're talking about the uh, independence. All right. And asked them about impeachment, right? Yeah. And asked them what, uh, what they thought about it. Guess what? They didn't care. Oh, really? You know what they cared about? Bread and butter economic issues. Nice. That's and, right. And who's... And who's stronger in bread and butter economic issues right now than President oh, yeah. Trump? Now, that's why I've, I've said all along, you know, people vote their wallets. Yeah, they do. And the economy's strong right now. 
Yeah. It's doing well. I think I think that's I think people notice that. Here's how I mentioned this today. Lowest unemployment since I was a sophomore in high school. Nice. And I'm not a I'm not a spring chicken, folks. All right. That's Are you 19, spinning that fact at all? That's nineteen sixty nine. That, there yeah. we go. Yeah, that's nineteen sixty nine. Lowest African American unemployment ever. Lowest <laughs> Hispanic unemployment ever. I mean That's huge. I mean, unemployment right now is three point five percent. We well, need people, you know. Personally, we need to get to this point where you, you can't get food stamps or anything else if you can do a job and you're not out that's doing right. it. Well, there has to be there has to be some sort of end to that. I agree. We got news. Let's get that. We'll bring you up to date on what's happening. You got the weather coming your way as well. You'll want to hear that also. No, no, no. Wait a second, Chris. You're, you're you're being honest with me that people told you that Midway was about a bunch of American pilots getting yeah, shot down. Yeah, they said it was terrible. Well, that's part of it. I mean, let's face it. They but we won the Battle of Midway. Well, yes, right? we did. Yeah, hugely. Oh, we I got to go see it. If you're telling me it's good, we've got a lot of the same movie taste. Yeah, it, it's if, a good movie. Okay, I'm it's in. a good I gotta movie. Go see I mean, it, it really, it really, really is. <sighs> I mean, the torpedo planes that they sent out. Yeah. In the first wave, first flights, only two pilots returned oh i mean it was tough yeah i mean that's one of my great honors when i was working at the other radio station is i worked with a a salesman by the name of uh tom longveld Mm -hmm. and he flew on one of those torpedo planes no kidding yeah he was the he was the gunner guy that set back to back with the pilot keep the, the, oh, yeah. the zeros off world of war ii yeah and uh uh you know he had he had a uh, a model of that plane sitting over <coughs> his desk and i talked to him several times about that and uh, he, he was at midway wow he survived well I've, I've read the reports i've watched the shows i've seen some documentaries on it yeah. so now i'm excited i, I thought it was a, 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 t- a sp- they've been Tell me it was a bad spin on the back. No, it was not a bad spin. It was very much showed that, you know, we won. I mean, we destroyed all of, at that time, all of the uh, aircraft carriers the Japanese fleet had. That's right. All four of them. That's exactly right. Took them all out. There's a great scene in that movie that kind of makes you feel sad for the, the, the Zero pilot. Oh, really? Yeah, he's flying. He's coming back to land on the aircraft carrier he launched from, and he's looking down. And the aircraft carriers all in flames. There oh, wow. is no place for him to land. And let me tell you, the only place left to go is the drink. Ooh. Not a good place to end up at. No. Not a good place. So anyway, it was a it was a very good movie. I gotta go see I it. I liked it. I liked it a lot. And they zero in on historical figures. These okay. are all men who served and were uh, integral parts of the battle at Midway. Yeah. Uh, Best the uh, the dive bomber. Uh, pilots uh, put two bombs on two separate carriers. Only one other uh, pilot has ever done that, nice. and uh, he got the not the Medal of Honor. What he I forget what he, battle star. The Navy Cross. Yeah, Navy it's Cross. Like, yeah, yeah, which is one step under. That's right, one step under. That's the Navy's honor. version of it. Yes, you know. But the bottom line is, is that it's a great story about him. I won't give you give away anything about it but it's a really 
great story. I'm going to go him. see it then. I'm yeah. glad you. I'm glad you Gotta gave it a good it. reco. I don't know if they'll. Ha- I don't know if it's playing at any theaters this weekend. I think it's still in, but maybe it was, it's about. It, it maybe was, it's about its on its way out. Though. It was on. Ca- it was at playing at Cabot. It may this weekend be gone. Okay. So I'd almost suggest that you, you know, go out and see it. Tuesday movie day tomorrow. Tomorrow night. <laughs> see it tomorrow night. It's playing. It's plays at Cabot. It may be still be playing over at Riverdale. Is it still playing at Riverdale tomorrow? Zach, he's looking. Zach's checking it for you. Okay. We're seeing if, if that's if that's playing. Maybe maybe Robert won't go. I don't ever see it right now on um, for Monday. Oh, it might be gone. It's, it's not there, huh? Not at Riverdale, but it's still at other places. Okay. Well, I could check. I didn't. I didn't look today at uh, at uh, Cabot, but it was this weekend because I went and saw it. Nice. <laughs> I saw it there. So anyway. I know that it's a great movie. It really is a good movie. And what's really good about it, it doesn't apologize for what we did. Nice. All right? It was war, man. That's right. You know, Pearl Harbor, which is what it starts with. That's exactly right. Got a question. Do you you know how many airplanes, how many zeros were involved in that? In the attack on the the attack on Pearl Harbor. I have no clue. 600, 700, how many was it? Nah, 363. 363 zeros. That's a lot of planes. Yeah to fill the air, especially back then and they did it very they did a great job uh in this i mean this is not like that movie uh pearl harbor from a few years back with right. josh hardnett and who else was in that batman was in that um, oh yeah yeah Ac- no, i want to say Aykroyd. yes i try to forget this guy who has played batman in dc oh um Fle- uh, ben Affleck. Yeah, ben Affleck. 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 Yeah, I'm not a big Affleck fan. Every time I see him, I I, I hear a duck. Affleck. <laughs> and that's that's all I hear. To be honest, the only movie I that's thought, good advertising. Yeah, the only movie I know that he did that I really liked was Goodwill Hunting. I kind of liked him in that. Oh, Goodwill Hunting was wonderful. Yeah, the rest of them and the accountant. I thought he was really good in the accountant, but the rest of them kind of be. Yeah, I mean, anybody makes well, there, there was one though about when they got the hostages out of Iran, or there was one. Well, that was a decent, short. That yeah. that was a true story. Yeah. I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. That one's okay. That was the CIA. Yeah, they did that. They did a good job on that. But yeah, yeah I not a big Affleck fan. In the uh, Golden Globes last night, Netflix walked away with the most. Uh, did they kill it? I missed, oh yeah, I they did. It. They didn't win awards, but they, you know, nominations. Figure thirty nine, maybe. Uh, the big one, The Irishman. Got I haven't seen five. That yet. Got five that nominations. Yet. Okay. Tied with uh, Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I like that one. That movie was. I just awesome. bought it. I just bought it on uh, Apple. No, did you? Oh, it's yeah, and I watched awesome the scene. Movie. I watched the last scene and the scene where he... No, man. Uh, where he gets fixed Squeaky the flat Frome takes it. <laughs> Her and the, and, the, and the lady out in the swimming pool. Oh, man. <laughs> that is ultimate revenge. It's just revenge. Is what yeah, it was. well, revenge. they flipped it. They yeah. really flipped that yeah. movie. It was yeah. a, It's a good movie. They got they got a director's cut. It's going to be four hours long that's coming. Oh, you sit for once upon a time in the Hollywood? Yeah. Oh, yeah. interesting. So you got the, you're the inside. You, I don't know that. I got to see that. I want to see it. In fact, I heard, didn't you hear it, same as I heard, that Tarantino was going to put it out through Netflix? They're not going to take it back to the theaters. I know that. Theaters okay. theaters hate long, long movies right. like that. Right. So I'm, I expect to see it end up at, in, on Netflix. Interesting. Be good. So he's got a lot more footage. Oh, yeah. 
they had a lot more stuff in it. So be interesting to see. I know the guy who played um, Manson said they cut a lot of his stuff out. Oh, they did. Okay, that guy unnerving because he looked like Charlie yeah, Manson and he, he acted like Charlie and he talked like Charlie Manson. Well, and you got to know that history to to have a to understand the movie. Well, I, yeah, I think. Yeah, it was the death of the '60s. It yeah. really was. That ended. Yeah. Peace, love, and, you know, whatever you want right. to call it. And uh, it just said that we're just as evil as everybody else. Right. And that's the kind of way everybody looked at, at that. Because, you know, that was not too long. Uh, seems like that was at, what, same time as Woodstock? Wasn't that the same year, 69? Oh, yeah. Right around in there. Yeah. I'm just saying. Kind of weird. And he, and he took the tragedy and turned it into yeah, revenge. Yeah, well, he changed it, and instead of doom and gloom, it was sunshine and, and popsicles yeah, like again. Here's what we would do to these. Here's what would, well, I would that, like and, to see And here's what would have happened, because you got Sharon Tate walking up to the yeah. gate at the very end. And did you uh, Now, if you've seen any of the, the, the pictures from the mercy, that's the exact... Um, well, that's a ju- place that it happened. That's in. the jersey she was wearing. Yeah. That's the yeah. jersey that was bloody. Yeah. Uh, it was the... Uh, San Francisco, uh, the quarterback. Mm-hmm. I can't, I can't Montana. Think yes. Yeah. Yep. Jersey. I'm just saying. Man. It's a good movie. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, Once upon a time, you'll love it. If, yeah. you, if you grew up in the, in the late 60s, you will fall in love with this motion yeah. picture because yeah. they, they show stuff that brought back such big memories for me. Yeah. And my, one of my favorite parts in it, I won't give it away, but. And Bruce Lee shows up. Oh, man, I thought that thing was great. <laughs> I love it. It was so hilarious. That's, that's pure Quentin Tarantino. It was so funny. Yeah. I like Quentin Tarantino. He says he got, That's brutal. It's, he, it's said got that it, he said that he's got... Oh, well, yeah, the end of it is yeah, brutal. It's gruesome. It's really... Well, it was a gruesome time as far as that. But yeah. I'm telling you what, it's like... It's what I wish would have happened. <laughs> That's right. I mean, seriously. That's it. That's I wish exactly it, it would have happened. All right, let's take a break. we got to get the news in. Chris Corbett and I here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, so uh, Geraldo went off on CNN. Did you hear about this, Zach? You're going to love this. And I'm not a big Geraldo fan. I mean, the, the thing that I'll always remember him for is when he took on the skinheads and got hit in the face with a chair. Yeah, it broke his nose. Yeah. Oh, I remember that. Fox News correspondent Geraldo Rivera got quite angry Sunday on Twitter over a CNN segment about Fox's alleged Russia infatuation telling a critic F you. Interesting. F Russia and F you. <laughs> Rivera told the Atlantic editor David Frumwell. Yeah, David Frum is a scumbag who appeared on CNN's Reliable Sources. Quote, I don't have any infatuation. You're the smitten one obsessed with Fox. During the segment, CNN's Brian Stelpler accused Fox host and Daily Caller co-founder Tucker Carlson of having a soft spot for Russia. Frum appears semi-regularly on that show earlier this year. He hopped on air to opine about President Trump's mental state, telling viewers about Trump's daddy issues. Question: The question I have about President Trump's high IQ tweets is who is he talking to, he asked. He's not convincing anybody he's talking to himself. He hears it in his head, maybe in his father's voice. You're stupid. You're worthless. 
that who that's who he is arguing with it's not a media strategy is a psychological project based on this deeply wounded person oh man yeah rivera has been a longtime voice on fox often criticizing the president on various issues uh, however he defended trump from charges of impeachment in october saying hearing democrats talking about their solemn responsibility makes me gag it's bs and he didn't use bs he said the word all right they failed with the russia hoax then dropped that two and a half year 45 million crusade when they discovered another hook at real donald trump's hashtag your uh ukraine call was sucky sucky ain't a high crime oh man so thank you very much for all though for at least seeing the light on a few things nice yeah anyway uh he took the bait he ba- they baited him got him mad yeah they got him mad and he responded yeah and and did his thing but it's just like when i played that lady yeah you listen to how they changed that narrative for what it is they said that cruz disavowed that russia had anything to do with our election and i played that that part same day just hours before cruz saying man yeah. You know, we know for a fact that Russia got involved with uh, Ameri- America's election. And, of course, uh, t- uh, Chuck Todd tried to say, well, the president, of he's of our, you know, and uh, Cruz said, facts show that, Cruz, that uh, Russia got involved. But just because Russia got involved doesn't mean nobody else did. That's right. Which was, you know, perfect, perfect answer. That was a perfect answer. Just, uh, just crazy stuff you hear. I hope that you got to, if you didn't get to hear that if you go to my facebook page just or go to what uh uh 101.1 fm uh, the and uh, you can find my show it's uh they they file it as a uh as what a podcast podcast yeah. is it a podcast is I think that so. what it is yeah or podcast mm-hmm. so you can catch up on it and i think you get, even get to get around the the commercials you don't have to listen to the commercials so you don't have to do that so that that you get to listen to an hour show in about 25 minutes <laughs> that's a little longer than that. i'm just kidding but that's kind of the way it works but uh yeah you can do it that way or you can uh, watch it on uh, facebook live dave ellswick show and we've got all of those that's good stuff uh there too and you can you can see how ugly I really am if you want to. <laughs> That's what you want to do and keep up with uh, what's going on on the show. Uh, tomorrow, Power Panel is in at the beginning, and then we'll have the Bible guys on. On Wednesday, I'm trying to think, uh, Congressman Hill will be on at 3.30. Oh, nice. Uh, we've got at 4 o'clock, uh, we've got uh, Duck and Joe okay. talking cars, and I, you and uh, uh Rob will be on in the 5 o'clock hour. Yes. So we'll have a I'll lot there. Uh, Thursday, who we got? Thursday, I've got uh, Senator State Senator Kim Hammer on. Oh, nice. He'll join me on that day. Uh, I will talk about religious liberty in the 3 o'clock hour. And in the 4 o'clock hour, the, uh, I think the Salvation Army is coming in. Although they might, I might have to change this on Wednesday to some, okay. another day just because... In the back of my mind, the Salvation Army is ringing their bell, 
in trying to get my attention. So anyway, right on. Let's see what happens with that. I love that thing about Geraldo, though. Oh, it's fantastic. I'm just, I'm just trying to flop through this uh, bombshell report saying that U.S. officials misled the public about the Afghanistan war. Uh, uh, boy on hospital floor dominates campaign. Talking about London. Uh, let's see what else we got here. TV industry suffers steepest drop in ad sales since the recession. Ooh. It's all going towards the internet, huh? Yeah. CBS's historic headquarters to be sold. The Black Rock is being sold. That's unbelievable. Oh, interesting. In and of itself. To an equity group? Yeah. Private equity group? Uh, a, here's a poll. Take this with a grain of salt. Yeah. I'll, I'm pulling it up. It says, this is from the Washington Times. Uh, a BBC poll okay. finds Democrat voters in a Harvard-Harris national poll wants Hillary Clinton to be the number one choice for the Democratic Party to oh, run against her. My that gosh. ain't true. No way. That's not true. A poll of how many? She 20 drew, people? She, yeah, she drew 21%, followed by Biden at 20%. When registered Democrats were asked whom they would support for the 2020 party presidential nod, placing third, Sanders at 12, then Warren at 9, Bloomberg at 7. It was an on- online survey only oh, of 1,859 voters. So don't even take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> it's not even worth a grain of salt, to be honest with you. So anyway, just something. That's clickbait. That's yeah. what's known as clickbait. <laughs> there you go. And I fell for it because I clicked on it because I had to mention it. <laughs> just had to mention it because, you know, anything. Anyway. What we got? Oh, Infowars host booted from Judiciary Committee after protesting. So the guy who got up and protested and was saying that they were traitors, the Democrats, remember that, Zach? The guy got up and started yelling at uh, Nadler. He's from Infowars. That guy would do anything to get the press. He really will. Uh, a Republican said this, and we mentioned this last hour when we were yeah. talking about the the whole thing about uh, uh, going out and getting people with impeachment, a Republican. Right. If Biden happens to get elected, we'll get him. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, tit for tat. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Well, that's an imperfect system like we were talking off air. Isn't it kind of interesting that Nat, Jerry Nadler did not swear in any of his witnesses? Yeah, I, I caught some of that this morning. That's kind of weird. That's kind of weird, I think. Now, here's something that's not even surprising. I, I thought the Doug Collins guy did a good job. Oh, he was great from Georgia. Yeah. He's fantastic. We, we, we went on right after it and said, this is thing is just, just a farce. Yeah, we've been right? we've been playing his yeah. stuff for weeks now. Good stuff. He has been very clear and concise. Mm-hmm. Gallup poll, more Americans delaying medical treatment due to cost. There you go. That's not really a surprise to you, is it? No. Not a surprise to me at all. Catholic priests beset by overwork, isolation, and scandals. No kidding. Uh, troops that defied Maduro have fled Venezuela. That makes sense. You don't want to stick around and get killed. Uh, there was a big volcano eruption off of New Zealand Monday 
and uh, there's nothing to be found of the people who were visiting. Yeah. Ooh. 100 people were on or near the island at the time of the very significant blast, and they have not, the people are unaccounted for, just so you, you'll know. All right, out of time. Chris. Thanks for having me on, Hopefully Dave. I'll see you Wednesday. If not, yeah. we'll set it up for maybe Thursday. Okay. Get you on. Sounds along good. Along with uh, Robert. Thanks All for right. having me on. That's going to wrap it up for today. I'll see you tomorrow. Power panel tomorrow at 2. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.